Hello and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Pick Aside Podcast. My name is Joel Moran and I'm here with Andrew Velez and Joel Dells. And this is now episode 137. In this episode, we are going to recap the Rams' big win over the Cardinals, unwrap the Urban Meyer dilemma in Jacksonville, give our potential upsets of week 15, list our top five wide receivers, and more. A quick Patreon shout out to It's Black Ace, Anthony, BJ, PJs, Mario, Langston, Jazzy, Juice, Johannes, Ruben, Brian, Ricky, E, Enzo, Sean Solis, Sean Muffins, John, Sean Triplett, Court Cousins, Ben Mack, He Dot, George Hokari, Mateen, Dave Two Freedom, and Jay. I'll tell you what, me and Jay Alco got a bone to pick. Yeah, we got a bone to pick. That's last, why you didn't say his that's name. That's why I didn't say it. No, last time on the we were on the live stream. I was giving my shout out to Hackensack. He's like, Hackensack, isn't that one of like the worst cities in the United States? Ooh. So until Jay Aqua messages me personally and apologizes, he's banned. He and said he doesn't listen to the podcast because he doesn't commute to work anymore. Uh, so he doesn't listen true. anymore? What yeah, he mean? just supports us through Patreon because he That's thinks real. we're going to be big time. See, I do respect that. But at the same time, like, he didn't since have to I go. started working from home, yeah, I don't listen to podcasts. But didn't either. he watch our live stream? He was the mom. He yeah, he, no, yeah, he did. Yeah. For he sure. I'm, did. T- I'm telling you for a fact. He commented in the live stream, isn't Hackensack one of the worst cities in the United States? It's not. So it's far from it. I don't. I don't what you, it's far from yeah, you're saying. Yeah, far from Yo, 100%. Yeah. I agree. Hackensack is safe. So, yeah. like I said, one. until he messages me personally. Unless you pull up the south side. And apologizes. <laughs> it's a dub. Real quick, shout out to my boy Jude. Got his first big rec W. There we go, Jude. One by like 25. Big boy stuff. And also, shout out, shout out to Aaron Moran. New Patreon oh, subscriber. Really? All right, Aaron. Yo, good yeah. looking out. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, I said this before the show. You have become the the fixture that Dolphins fans look to. You're yeah. the you're Dolphins fan Statue of Liberty when it comes to Tua. And you know how you know how birds come fly over and shit on the Statue of Liberty. Yeah. Every single time you give an outrageous Tua take. That's what happens. It's like bird shitting on you, and you're taking that burden for Dolphins fans. And you know what? I'll do it every single time we speak about him. Because until he proves me wrong or really, really does something egregious that shows that he's not that guy, which I have zero doubt that he will do anything of the sorts, I'm going to keep I'm gonna keep riding. Because why not? I love it, bro. He's been great. Consistent. Dolphin fans, they're enjoying this ride along with me, so I'm going to stand with my people. Vince yeah. family. Vince family. Let's you guys ride. can follow us on Instagram yep. and on TikTok yep. at Pick Aside Podcast, on Twitter at Pick Aside Pod. We're trying to get our followers up there on that app. Most importantly, specifically on yep, Twitter. Yes. For sure. You know, we're going to show. to make a Twitter. I was going to say, you know, it's going to be a good show when we remember to do the shout out not in the beginning, not oh, the exactly. end. Exactly. I, I don't have it written down. That's why I never do it in the beginning. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Yo, we've made a Twitter I and it got suspended in 24 again. hours, in like 12 hours. They have to know like his web IP or something yeah. like that. That every single time he makes it, that he gets popped. You hate to see it. I will be honest though. Like when he told me why he got, yeah, suspended, I was actually thinking the same thing. I'm like, ah, is it worth saying? I'll tell you what. He probably is banned for life. Yeah, that was that was bad. <laughs> he, he folded. Like <laughs> it wasn't bad in like he offended a group type no, of no, thing. No, but it was bad should, yeah. in type of like in, in in the sense of like why would you even tweet that? Yeah, you yeah. don't you don't say stuff like that on on Twitter. That's it. 
Yeah, I was told you don't say stuff like that at the in lunch school. table. Exactly. Lunch in school, table. You got suspended. You got like expelled yeah. for saying something like yeah, that. Yeah, you get suspended for that, which is crazy. It was like third grade. I'll never forget it. They got some kids got into a fight and he sat down and, was like, and he was like, yeah, Damn. gone. Yeah, that's big time. That's big time. But I, I, I was lit. He got, he got his account back, shouted him out, got, got a decent amount of followers pretty quick. Yeah. Gone within hours. It was funny as hell. <laughs> Oh my gosh! I promoted him too. I should have just let it ride. I should have been like, "I'm gonna do it like in a couple of days." I promoted him instantaneously. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, you got to do tragic. it. Tragic. This is gonna be a great episode. I'm ready. In the intro, we did not say that we were going to evaluate the rookie quarterbacks, but that's why it said "and more" because that's the "and more" in this in this episode, and we're gonna talk about the rookie quarterbacks outside of Mac Jones that have been playing. So Davis Mills, Zach Wilson, Lawrence. Justin Fields and evaluate their play thus far. But let's start with the biggest news that happened that is currently happening in the NFL. This COVID outbreak is a big time thing. You you said it before the show, 90 plus players are on the COVID list. It feels like the entire Browns roster is on the COVID list. And the NFL is now making it a mandatory for tier one and tier two employees to get the booster shot. So tier one employees are players and coaches tier two are like the GMs and the assistants. So they now have to get a booster shot. But look at these, look at the players on this list. Jalen Ramsey, Jonathan Allen, Rashawn Slater, Kadarius, Tony, Odell Beckham, Baker Mayfield, Troy Hill, John Johnson, Kevin Stefanski, Jarvis Landry, Wyatt Teller, Austin Hooper, Jedrick Wills. I mean, the Browns brutal. lost their entire Literally. offense with brutal. this thing. Literally. Brutal. So what are your thoughts on this outbreak? And also another big time thing that happened, D-Hop is out for the year. Yeah. He might come back for the playoffs, but he's out for the year. So to address COVID first, since, you know, I'm our first responder, first responder here we go. I'm a little upset at the NFL, to be honest with you. I'm only upset as if just because it seems as if they're not – Caring too much about it. It's, you know, we're seeing all these COVID cases come out, big time names, huge players that have a big impact on their team's outcome that are going out with COVID and they are just kind of just saying, all right, you know what, next man up, that kind of mentality. And I understand NBA and NFL completely different in their approach of COVID, but they're not even considering postponing the Browns game as of right now or pushing it to a different date. When the Rams lost all their guys, I texted our group chat for our fantasy football league. I said, hey, what happens if they postpone this game? Not even a consideration by the NFL to postpone that game with all the people that the Rams had on COVID protocols. And now you're looking at the Browns who have doubled the amount of people uh, in COVID protocols. And again, they're not even considering. I would like a better approach by the NFL personally. I mean, you got a list of over 90 players in the COVID protocols. What you're doing clearly isn't working. You got to fix something up. I understand that, you know, you're trying to be leaning. You're trying to be a little bit more fair with your players, uh, give them a little bit more freedom. But to a degree, now they're kind of, they're abusing it. And again, COVID isn't something to mess with. I understand that, you know, people think that it's just a cold. It it is affected a bunch of people in this world and multiple ways and and different ways for each each family. So, and they need to be mindful of that. And again, I I understand that it's the players getting affected now, but who these players are around media, the media are around their family, and just a, a spiraling of events there that that needs to be uh, figured out. And I hope that the NFL does realize that it could get a lot worse. And as fans of the game, I'm sure none of us want to see the NFL get postponed by any means. So. Figure it out now so that we don't have to worry about it later. 
Yeah, it's definitely tough. I mean, I think it's a little bit different situation this year and last year. You know, obviously we have a vaccine now. We know more about about COVID because sure. um, it happened twice last year. I remember early in the year with the Titans, and then we had that game on like a Tuesday for the Ravens, right? Um, it's hard though because you have a lot of these players. A lot of them are vaccinated. A lot of them are asymptomatic, and they're out there. They want to play, you know. And it's just it's the NFL's rules. If you're if you're um you know if you test positive and you have back to back negative tests, or if you're not vaccinated, you need to be away from the team, away from the organization for ten days. Um, the NFL stance on it, I know, is very tricky coming into the season. People um made a big deal, especially out of quarterbacks who weren't vaccinated, like Carson Wentz and Aaron Rodgers, even though we thought he was vaccinated. Uh, one of the biggest reasons was because, okay, even if you get COVID and you are vaccinated, as long as you get those back-to-back tests, you're, you're able to play. But in actuality, that's really hard. If you test positive for COVID on Monday, it's highly unlikely that you're going to be negative by Friday and be able to play by Sunday. So from the NFL's point of things, they've made it easier if you are vaccinated. Obviously, you know, you don't have to wear the mask um, at the podium or around teammates in the locker room and stuff like that. Um, but I do also understand it is a business and they're going to do everything in their power to not postpone these games. Didn't I, even mention AB who completely oh, faked his COVID yeah. vaccine. It's like, again, there's, there's people trying to weasel their way around it just because of their own beliefs. And Hey, I'm, I'm cool with that. You know, you believe what you want to believe. That's yeah. fine with me, but can't lie though. No, not at all. I think this is just a reminder that COVID is still here and it's still very real. And yeah, I think that's it because in the NFL, we see this outbreak happening, but in the NBA, an outbreak is happening as well. You saw the entire Chicago Bulls team got wiped out with the Brooklyn Nets. You had Seven Bruce players. Brown get pulled off the court an hour before a tip off because he had to be in COVID protocols. James Harden had to be in COVID protocols. They played with eight players. It's happening with the Lakers. It's happening with a lot of teams. So we're now seeing that COVID is starting to come back. It's starting to creep back in. So we'll see what happens moving forward. What do you think about DeAndre Hopkins being out for the season? That's also pretty tragic news because when he's on the field, obviously he has an impact. I mean, how many games has he played? Eight, nine games, and he has eight touchdowns on the season? Against the Rams, he looked a little bit spotty. I mean, On that fourth down, they threw him that slant. DeAndre Hopkins catches that ball. Just completely hit him right in the chest. It bounced off. He dropped it. That's not DeAndre Hopkins we know, but in terms of the injury and how it's going to impact the Cardinals, They've been having success without Kyler, without DeAndre. They were still winning games, so I'm still expecting them to do so. If you're the Cardinals, you're not looking forward to the regular season. You you shelve DeAndre Hopkins. You know you're making the playoffs. I understand that one seed's in, in, in contention right now for a bunch of other teams, and I'm sure the Cardinals do want that first-round bye, especially to give DeHop a little bit more time. But you play it safe. This isn't a, a regular wide receiver. This is arguably when he's at his best, the best wide receiver in the NFL, at worst two. When he's 100%, he's at worst, too. And so you play it safe. You're the Cardinals. You understand you're going to win these games. I'm fine with it. This is a new injury, too, I believe, right? This it's is a, a br- knee sprain. Br- yeah. Yep. And he was dealing with an ankle, I want to say, earlier in the, you know, about a month ago or so that yep. he missed all those games. But, yeah, this is brutal for the Cardinals. Um, not only because uh, on one side of things, you want to have, since Hop missed all this time, you want to get him back on the field with Kyler, get that chemistry back. For I know sure. they played together for a year, but still, especially now, you're trying to make a deep playoff run. You want Hopkins on the field, so going into the playoffs, it's seamless. Um, it's funny because we were talking, this is a few episodes ago, but when we did the top 10, who's better than Cooper Cup, we said without a doubt, like Hopkins, right? We still put him in that light of, he's a top, like you mentioned, when fully oh, healthy, number one or number he's two, best. Spicy. He's I, about to get spicy. I mean, Hopkins is amazing. This Cup season, is better, you're saying? No, he's... he's this, oh, this year, I think uh-huh, it's no debate. Yeah. I mean, we're going to get into that later, but regardless, 
Hopkins has taken a step back this year. Whether you want to say it's injuries or not, his yardage is not there. His yardage is nowhere near it usually is. He's gotten a ton of touchdowns, which is fine, but that's not part of the question. We're not talking about has DeAndre mm-hmm. Hopkins fallen off or not. Um, for the Cardinals, I still think they'll be fine. They have a month left in the season, possibly to get that first round by. So there's maybe five weeks potentially for DeAndre Hopkins to get healthy, come back round two of the playoffs and, and the Cardinals be able to make that Super Bowl push. Um, but it's obviously devastating to hear, like you said, when Hopkins is fully healthy, he still is an elite wide receiver. We just really haven't seen that at all this year. DeAndre Hopkins is getting a second opinion on this injury, which means it could potentially linger on past the season. And who knows if he'll be available for the playoffs, but you're right. Shelve him. He's already out. I mean, he can't play on the injury he no. has. That's why he's getting a second opinion. We'll see what happens from here. This is huge. And looking at what's happening with DeAndre Hopkins, I also I can't I can't take my eyes off of what's happening with Julio Jones in Tennessee. You look at DeAndre Hopkins and you look at Julio Jones, both wide receivers that over the past couple of years. They were in our top five consensus, even top three. Now the careers are starting to slow down with injury. Julio Jones, this his hamstring problem has been happening since last year. D-Hop got hurt last year. This year, it's lingered on. We have to realize that NFL careers are very short. And what D-Hop and Julio did for a long stretch of time, that is rare. And that is not often the case with wide receivers that have big time years or even running backs with these skill positions. That's not often the case. So you have to appreciate these players while they're at their peak for sure. Because who knows if Julio's ever going to be Julio, who knows if D hops ever going to be the D hop that we know. And we've seen it. We've seen it with AJ green. AJ green's ha- had That's a little bit of a, mind. he's had a little bit of a revival with Arizona, but he's not who nah. he once was. And, there was a time where A.J. Green, D-Hop, and Julio Jones, those were the three guys we looked at, and we said they're the best in the game. Yeah, they were. Uh, Julio and A.J. were drafted together. Came yeah. out in the same class. It does break my heart because these, like you said, they're not regular guys. Julio was not a regular dude. Julio's a first ballot Hall of Famer. DeAndre Hopkins is a first ballot Hall of Famer. It really does suck that the toll that the NFL takes on a person's body. It's, we do have to realize these guys aren't superheroes. And like end of the day, you know, we love fantasy. We want these guys to play for Take selfish reasons, but on on a real not selfish level. Human being level, yeah. You Take have to you, you have to understand that this game is brutal. You're putting your life on the line every time you step in between those lines. So I'm cool with it. I get it. Yeah. So this topic was thrown into the show, you know, on the fly because this is just such a, a big time topic. Before we get into our actual show, some sad news happened last week. Demarius Thomas passed away, Hall of Famer. From everybody that has spoken about him, they all say he's he's a great person. So just for, for you know a couple of minutes, I want you guys to come up with the best Demarius Thomas moment that you've seen from him. One comes to my mind off rip. It has to be the Tebow play. I think it's for me. It's a Tebow. I mean, it's play. the Tebow eighty yard touchdown against the Steelers in the playoffs. That's Drew's just, a Broncos fan, so maybe he might yeah, have something in the archives. But this yeah. is this is kind of tough for me personally. Like we're speaking about, I have chills in my body. Best moment for me. I mean, he caught Payton's five oh nine. That was really special. And he as as good ball placement as it was, Demarius made an even better uh, go at the ball. Perfect toe tap. Just. A, a great catch by Damaris. So that one sticks out for me personally, but without a doubt, obviously, that, that play 
in the, in the wild card round against the Steelers is his most shining moment in the NFL that he'll ever have. It it sucks personally. Yeah, thirty three years old to to, so to go out the way that that he did definitely unexpected, heartbreaking for me as a Bronco fan. One of my favorite players that I ever watched. I got spoiled with him in an offense with Peyton Manning, Eric Decker, Julius Thomas. It, it's it's really tough for me. It's been a tough week dealing with that. I mean, you as a fan, you love these players. I, they aren't family. Obviously, you don't know who they are. You never met them, but. You could just tell. There's a bond that you come, that you just have with with certain players, especially ones that are fantastic and so effective, like Demarius Thomas was. He'll be missed, and he'll always be remembered as a Bronco legend. For me, that moment, you're right, was a Tebow moment. I feel like that was such a magical season. If they had lost in the playoffs, the allure of what that season was isn't as special Wholeheartedly but because agree. that touchdown pass happened and because Tebow became an accurate passer in the second half of that game all these near charges spin out from it Demarius Thomas catching that it, it was just flat out amazing and, and and thinking about that moment whenever we talk about signature moments if you say Demarius Thomas's name the touchdown pass from Tebow sticks out in the playoff game against the Steelers that sticks out automatically I started to think there aren't many signature moments from great NFL wide receivers. I can think of some that are not from great receivers, like Santonio Holmes, the, the toe tap in the end zone against the Cardinals in, in the Super Bowl. That's a signature moment. But when you talk about these other elite receivers, you can't really think of a signature moment. So one play specifically, or are you just saying like, off the top of my head, I'm thinking of one play specifically special moment. I would say See, the Hopkins tough. one, the the Hail Mary last year, the Hail Murray. That's the first that came to my mind. Are you only thinking like in the only in the playoffs? In general, I can say in general, but to me, it feels much more special, like a playoff. signature moment if it's in the playoffs. So Stefan Diggs, the miracle, yeah, um, in Minneapolis, that was huge. Obviously, the Giants. Uh, too, I mean, Tyrese, Julio, not Julio Jones. Player. This one gets overlooked because they yes, lost that, that game. Catch was, Ridiculous. You you can't make it up. Yeah. That catch should never have happened. Line. Yeah. Julian Edelman. Whatever you want to say about Edelman, whether you hold nuts. him in, in any type of high regard, you know my opinion on yeah. him. Better than Jordy. I, I will stand by that. Mm-hmm. It's you look at the, the the playoff numbers as a whole. I get it. You're there every single season. These are gonna be a little inflated, but you still gotta show up. And he did every single you year. You think he's better than Jordy? Who's I, better? I'm taking Julian. We've had this topic. We've been talking about this like for years. probably eight years, years. Us and his so, brother. Signature wide receiver moments. This I, is a topic in remembrance of Demarius Thomas. We know Demarius Thomas has one of the more signature moments. In NFL history. Larry. That's another one right there. Larry the Super Bowl? Uh The Super Bowl play where he just takes it up the middle. The play against the Packers. The, both plays where he takes it like 70 yards, gets tackled at the three. He's freaking out. Arizona's going wild. And then they give him the shovel pass and he scores. That Plaxico touchdown too. Plaxico is a huge one. one. Mini, Minneapolis miracle. For sure. Stephon Diggs. For sure. You have Julian, Julian Edelman, the catch in the Super Bowl. Yep. It was and one of, one of the catch. best catches we'll ever see. Even another one, Wes Welker not making the catch versus the Giants. That's a signature. Yeah, the signature drop. That's a signature failed moment. Oh, yeah, that hurts to that hear. Was truthfully, that was a bad drop. It was a tough play though. They give him a lot. You know, obviously he's Wes Welker. You'd think he should catch that ball, but you think back on it, he's turning his body. He's in the air, full extension, trying to grab this ball. All he's trying to do is bring it down. He just too much force and it falls. For me. The two most special moments for a receiver in the playoffs 
was Demarius Thomas's touchdown For in sure. overtime against the Steelers and Santonio Holmes' catch against the Cardinals in the Super Bowl. When you talk about other great receivers, I can't really think of signature moments in the playoffs like Julio Jones. Nothing really sticks out to me. That play, the the that catch, play, the sideline yes. catch was one of the best catches. They should have won ever that seen. game, and that would have been the play. Yeah, like, it would have been. Like DeAndre Hopkins, does he have a signature playoff? He's never really had the does. team to yeah, go except yeah, for this Texans, year. The Sean, but like still. when you think of like Antonio Brown, Tyreek Hill, he has a play. Yeah, the play, yeah, yeah. Tyreek Hill versus the 49ers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, that's his. That was amazing. That was yeah. ridiculous. That was that was both of them though, because Mahomes made one of the craziest throws you'll ever see. Yeah. Yeah, off the top, it's tough. But not many great receivers have that moment. So the fact that Demarius Thomas had that moment is special. Yeah, man. Like if you you talk about the top five receivers in the league right now, Devontae Adams, does he have a signature moment? I don't think he has. Off the top one. of my head, in the playoffs or Super Bowl, no, obviously, but in the playoffs, not that I could really. The only remember. one's Diggs. Yeah, and that's if you have him in the top five. Yeah, Diggs is the only one that has that signature moment. Even DK, DK doesn't have it. I mean, didn't he go for? Uh, it was against Philly, granted, but like that was a pretty. That's we're talking about one play, so no. Like a signature moment, like Larry Fitzgerald had it. Versus the Steelers, but it was overshadowed by Santonio yeah. Holmes. No, for sure. But that's why I'll give him that signature play against the Packers. That was a huge... Both plays were huge. Can't think yeah, of that's tough. My head, yeah. I tried to, to rattle off a few. Yeah, it's tough. You really can't think of many. No. It is tough. Is Julian an all-time receiver? All-time I think playoff like, performer, play, absolutely. Yes, that's yeah. fair. Yeah. Playoff performer. Like, sure. regular season, he didn't have the produ- production, but I think anybody would remember Edelman as an all-time great. So, like, I would say I would say Edelman. I would say Julio. I would say Stefan. I would say Larry. Santonio Plaxico. Yep, Santonio and Plaxico both. And that's really it off the top of my head. I'm sure people will let us know which ones we missed. Yep, so rest in peace to Demarius Thomas. We're praying for his family and his loved ones. And this is a, this is sad and tragic news. On to the show, the L.A. Rams, Monday Night Football against Arizona. This was a statement game. And they made a statement. They beat them 30-23. to 23. They're now 9-4. Matthew Stafford had a day. 286 yards passing, three touchdowns, zero picks. I mean, what did you think about this game? I'll start with you, Drew, because... You you've been waiting on this all year. I, I you were all getting a crazy. you were getting a, a bit impatient. I kind of as I was watching that game, I said to myself, "I hope Stafford plays well in prime time, just for Drew, just so <laughs> you can come on the show <laughs> and feel like you can win a debate or you can oh, feel man, an argument. No, you can you can, yeah, you can win spicy. an argument. It's coming spicy because I'm like, what, damn, right more often than not this season. I don't know what this guy's talking about. That being said. <laughs> My Rams came to play, and I hate that it had to be at, at the expense of Kyler Murray because that's my guy also. But that being said, phew, this is as borderline and perfect as you can get for a guy like Matthew Stafford against a, t- a team that is this great in the Arizona Cardinals. Only seven incompletions, 287 yards, three touchdowns, a QBR of 86.3, pa- a quarterback, uh, excuse me, a pass rating of 139.2. He was fantastic. Cooper Cup had a great game. All the Rams really played well. Van Jefferson, that throw that Matthew Stafford gave to Van Jefferson was insane. That throw to Cooper Cup, running to his right, 
cross field throw to Cooper Cup right in the bread basket was flawless. Odell had a solid game, but mostly the spotlight needs to be on Matthew Stafford. He played exceptional. He put the Rams in great position to be successful all night. He hit all the throws that he needed to hit. That throw to Cooper Cup for the touchdown, actually, that might have been the worst throw of the night for him personally. Should it, borderline interception, but even still, got through. Was just He was having one of those type of nights that everything was hidden regardless. He could do no wrong. And to a degree, you're kind of right. We'd seen Matthew Stafford in these primetime games against the Titans, uh, against the 49ers, not be the Matthew Stafford that we're accustomed to seeing or from what we've been seeing basically all season long for him. He had a bad stretch, but I said it. The game against the Jaguars, didn't. It, they should not have overlooked it. You needed to go into that game wanting to kill the Jaguars. That's what they did. Get a little bit of momentum on their side. Start to get a little more feng shui going on in the offense. Get more comfortable. Take that that confidence. Take it over to the next week against a team like Arizona and really play the way that you've been or you know how you guys can play as a unit together. This is the most together, most complete that we've seen them play all season, especially without Robert Woods. They've been missing something once Robert gone out. They answered all the questions once Robert, or excuse me, since Robert's been gone in this game, especially against arguably the top two, top three teams in the NFC. Rams just threw themselves right back in, especially without Jalen Ramsey. This was a huge win for them. Aaron Donald looked absolutely fantastic. Three sacks. He looked like the monster that we know that he is. He hasn't really been the statistic freak that we've been accustomed to seeing Aaron Donald, but he left his mark on this game. So I can't just give all the credit to to Matthew Stafford. Aaron Donald definitely did leave his print on this game also. But overall, Rams are back. They're back. They needed this one They're back. so badly. And you beat a team like Arizona that's it. There's no team Get now. Your swagger you back like, a that's Get it. Your swagger there's back. no it. Yes. there's no team that you should be looking at and think, ooh, we could lose. No. Yep. You need to look at every single team and think there's no one we can't beat right now when we play out our best. Without Jalen Ramsey holding D Hop to under fifty yards, I'm li- I'm, listen again, maybe D Hop was hurt that whole game. Who knows? Yeah. Regardless of that, they they did their thing defensively on Kyler Murray, made him struggle through two interceptions, and even still, Kyler still had some special moments, but that's because Kyler is Kyler, and you can't fully take him out of a game, but you can just try and manage it a little bit. And that's what the Rams did, and they took full advantage, and they looked fantastic. There's no other way to put it. This was their biggest win of the season. A divisional game against the division-leading Cardinals. Also, they have five players put on COVID on that day, right? Like Drew mentioned earlier in the show, we were talking like, what if this game actually gets postponed? We have all these, you know, they're missing four starters. Like you said, Jalen, Tyler Higby, Daryl Henderson, uh, Rob Havenstein too. They're right tackle, I want to say. If they lost this game, they're not winning the division. They have no shot at the number one seed because they'd be two games back of the Cardinals. Plus, they already lost them early in the year, so they'd have no chance at the tiebreaker. So this was one of those games they went into saying, if we don't win like our season, we're going on the road round one probably. We're going to be a wild card team and have to go into an Arizona or a Green Bay or a Tampa Bay and play one of these elite teams. Thankfully, they won this game. So right now, they're still you know they're still a game back in terms of the number one seed. But like you mentioned, Stafford before this Jacksonville game was really struggling. They had their bye, and it's funny. I was listening to Colin Coward uh, a few days ago. It's kind of similar to what happened last year with Brady and the Bucks. Right, they were struggling a little bit to start off the season, okay, I know you exactly know. What you mean. And after that bye, they went on a run and they just didn't lose. Facts. And it's a great start to play Jacksonville last week. Have that little warm up game like we talked about on the show. You know, mm-hmm. go in and really go in and kill Jacksonville. They brought that momentum into Arizona and they did the same thing. 
Stafford from weeks 9 to 12 through 5 interceptions now has back-to-back games with no turnovers and 6 touchdowns. So he's going back to that early season form where he was playing at an MVP type level. And not only was it just a good game for Stafford, I thought the offense as a whole, we're going to talk about this a little bit for the Bills later, but to get Sony Michelle for a six-round pick, I thought Sony was washed. And don't get me wrong, he his stat line, 20 carries, 79 yards. Yeah. But just because he could take 20 carries, and he was running hard, right? These weren't like he was just he was breaking tackles. He was making the Cardinals at least respect the run game. Because we'll talk about it later, like I said, you have some sort of semblance of a run game. And being able to have Sony Michelle being your backup, this is really your third string because Cam Akers, Henderson, and now Sony Michelle, being able to just plug him in, put him in, and give him 20 carries, that's not something that a lot of teams can do. For sure. Um, the drive that really stood out to me was the second to last drive of the game. Uh, they went down the field. They took six minutes off the clock in the fourth quarter. They probably should have another chance because one of the Arizona defenders hit uh, staff from the face mask. They kicked the field goal. Yes, yes, yes. Yep. And they just the refs completely missed it. They should have had a first down and you know four more chances at the end zone. Um, but now you look at the NFC playoff picture. The Rams are just one game out of the number one seed. And like you mentioned, Stafford probably putting a few critics to bed with 287 yards and three touchdowns. Odell looked like a really good wide receiver too. Van Jefferson also kind of stepped into that sure. that Robert Woods-ish role. He was a really good deep threat. And Aaron Donald, three sacks, kind of having a statement moment for him because he's been um, he's having a good season. But like you mentioned, he's not up there statistically. You guys made a lot of good points i wasn't too fond of your colin coward point because all last year he was bashing brady and bashing the bucks he didn't even when they went on their win streak he didn't think they were gonna win it ultimately i thought they were gonna win it because they were my team all season but he's being smart now he realized he was wrong last year and he said you know what let me not make that same mistake to talk about the game a little bit i think that guys stepped up in other guys absence you mentioned sony michelle he stepped up David Long Jr. stepped up. He was getting targeted. He was on D-hop, and he had seven targets, only allowed two receptions for 11 yards given up. He was really good. I thought Aaron Donald took over this game. Like I, You know, we could talk about Stafford, and I know this is a, you know, the NFL is all about quarterbacks. Aaron Donald had three sacks. He got to Kyler Murray every single time he wanted. Superstars make superstar plays. For sure. And, as I was watching the game, I saw Kyler Murray throw a dot to DeAndre Hopkins, and I was like, wow. It was a much-needed third down. I said, wow, superstars make superstars plays. Then the right, the very next play, Aaron Donald makes a play, and I was like, superstars make superstar plays. I thought the Cardinals lost because they lost a turnover battle. The Rams, sure. they didn't have a turnover in this game. You look at Kyler, two of his turnovers— Ernest Jones and Leonard Floyd. I mean, Leonard Floyd should have never even had the interception. You don't I mean, you think that was a great play by Leonard? It was a great play by Leonard, but th- that's something that happens. Like you know, it rarely I happens. Mean. I know and, what you mean. You know that everything was going the Rams' way. It felt like they had a lot of the momentum, and a lot of guys stepped up. You know, for the Rams, Aaron Donald, David Long Jr., that defensive line stepped up. Their offense stepped up. I mean, Van Jefferson, Odell, and Cooper Cup all had touchdowns. Odell, I think this was his best game as a Ram, hands down. All the people they lost to COVID, Jalen Ramsey to me was the biggest, and and Harvin and Harvinstein. Yeah. But in terms of like Henderson, Sony Michelle, I think filled in his place well. Tyler, you know Tyler Higby, yeah, yes, yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, for I know me, he's saying. a whatever guy. I think somebody can fill in his place and you know do do a fine job. Arizona side, James Conner had a vintage game receiving. This guy was was great. AJ Green had a vintage game. D Hop. 
he just didn't look the same. And you can see that he was hurt, and that's why now he's out for the season. So I, I think a lot of things went the Rams' way. They played fantastic. Stafford finally had that primetime performance that I've been looking at him to have, and he finally had it. But the great thing about the NFL and the great thing about sports and the great thing about any industry that is driven by results is that now you have to do it again. You can say all you want. Stafford, prove these critics wrong. The Rams are back. They're back for a couple of days. Now do it again. Yeah. Let's see if you can do it again. Real, real quick. We can, I do have doubts. Why are we talking about the Cardinals? This is twice now. They've lost at home to Super Bowl contending teams with the Packers having all of those COVID issues, wide receiver injuries, and now again. We talked about the Cardinals. We're always talking about the Rams. Are they back? Are they back? This is twice now. These are two teams they're going to have to see in the playoffs if they get there. You're right. There, but deep into the playoffs. I haven't been all in on Arizona all season long. That, that I, worries me. Since the beginning of the year, I've said, look, I don't really trust Arizona. I don't trust Arizona, even though I think Cliff Kingsbury has done an exceptional job there, along with Vance Joseph coaching up that team. You look at the Rams. They lost to Green Bay. They lost to San Fran, Tennessee, and Arizona. They're three and four against teams with a winning record this season. And their wins this season have come, their other wins this season have come against the Jags, the Texans, the Lions, the Giants, the Bears, the Seahawks. These are teams with a top 10 pick. The Seahawks are finally getting out of that rabbit hole. The Rams haven't been that impressive. This was a big time win, no doubt. But Kyler Murray just came back from injury. He's trying to ease his way into that things. second week, and he looked fantastic. He DeAndre looked Hopkins yeah, he looked, was fine. DeAndre Hopkins was, was clearly hurt. That's you the can one. you can but see it, and he was a, he would have been, been a game changer. They've been dealing with that that this Hopkins injury for six weeks now. You know they're used to it. They know the game plan coming this in is, cannot this be is the one thing I was about Arizona. Focused. They're young. They are, and that's why I feel like. In some areas, correct. They have a lot of vets. Their core, correct. But their core is young. And so that's why I feel like head coach is young. They're starting quarterbacks young. Running back, James Conner, obviously he's been in the league a few years, and he gives you that. that James Conner must have hated Pittsburgh because he looked terrible last year. He comes into Arizona, and he looks great. His body was failing him to a degree. And again, that O-line was was bad. This O-line, especially, I wouldn't say especially the run block, but it they are they just a lot better than Pittsburgh. Significantly sure. better than them, and James Conner is a good receiving back. And oh, that's he's made one back-to-back games with ridiculous catches. Correct, and, one-handed, and I feel like that's why people aren't giving them as much or as much criticism because one, their records is great still. There's what 10 and, 10 and four, 10 and three, ten and three. I want to say yeah. And on top of it, they're overachieving for what people had already had yeah. imagined them coming into the season. So. As is, this has been a success for the Cardinals. So I feel like that's why they're not getting criticism. Coming into the season, you make a move for Matthew Stafford, you're you're trying to contend for a Super Bowl. Now you got pressure. Now you're going to have people like us talking about you week in, week out, scrutinizing your play. So that's why I can understand why we're looking at the Rams as opposed to the Cardinals, but you're 100% right. Two two games that they should have won. Yes. Against the Packers, no excuse. They should have won that no, game. No wide receivers. Again, I feel like AJ, he needs to get his head out of his ass. He needs to make that play. His controller died. He, he just didn't make a play on the ball Even at still, all. still, though, like... No, but I'm with you. you this, this week... 59 minutes to win. This week was... I wouldn't say... It's a division game, so anything can happen. But with all the adversity that had the, that the Rams had to overcome 
going into this game. I'm sure people looked at it and said, Cardinals got this one locked. And the fact that they didn't come out on top, I'll give it to you, it is surprising. We talk about the biggest storylines. The storyline of this game is the Rams are back. Now we're here going to de- debating whether or not the Rams are back. If Arizona had won, oh, this topic is, can Ariz- are they actually legit? No doubt. But Stafford versus 500 teams this season, he's thrown 1,987 yards, almost 2,000, 16 touchdowns to seven interceptions, a 99.9 quarterback rating, passer rating, which is basically 100, and he's completing 65% of his passes. It's pretty solid. Now, this year, in total, he has a 108 passer rating. So, yeah, versus these better teams, his, his, he does decline a bit. And in the playoffs, right now he currently has a 2-to-1 interception ratio, at least against 500 teams. In the playoffs, that turnover does matter. And that's why I still don't trust Stafford. I still don't trust the Rams fully. Like I said, they have a great roster. It looks awesome. Like, I would love to window shop the roster. But I just don't trust them all together, continuity. I would pick three to four teams in the NFC to beat them. You know, I'm picking the Packers to beat them. I'd pick the Cowboys to beat them. I'd pick the Cowboys, um, Packers and Bucks are the only ones. I'd the, pick I the Bucks to beat them. The rest and of the if I, if San Fran is matched up with them, I'd pick San Fran to beat them too. I that's, think San Fran can beat them, and yeah, they've beat the, they, they've beaten them already. Yeah, tough matchup for them. I, I said this earlier. The NFL is a results-driven business. You have to produce. The Rams, this is a big time win, but you have to do it again. Even Tom Brady, when he won a Super Bowl, you have to do it again. Because, you know, even the Bucks was last year a fluke. You have to do it again. The Rams have to do it again. This, at the end of the day, was a regular season game. They can be one and done in the playoffs, and we're not talking about them. The Rams, they're going to have their chance, though. They have they're Seattle this have week, but then they have your Vikings the Ravens, and the 49ers. So they're going to have three chances. These are all three playoff caliber teams. So if they could go this last month of the season, go on that little hot streak, because at this point in the season, I don't really care what you did the first two months. I want to know what you're going to do now this last four or five games of the year. Can you go into the playoffs and be hot? Because at that point, anything's possible. Yeah, it is. It's about momentum. But like I said, right now, I'm not fully sold on the Rams. And we'll see what happens. You know me. I love Matthew Stafford. I think he is an elite quarterback. In the regular season I mean, and against no teams have no that worries. don't have don't. and against teams that aren't very great. See, Last then, year, I picked the Lions to win the NFC North because I thought Stafford was an elite quarterback and they blew every single lead in the second half. This is one thing I'll say and then we can move on. We give Matthew Stafford a hard time in the prime time in a regular season game when it doesn't matter because it fits the narrative. He doesn't play well under pressure. Happens again. Drive the narrative again. He can't play well under pressure. Here we are now in arguably the biggest game of the Rams season, and he was a 10 out of 10. So now we change it to, now, all right, I'm only worried about the playoffs. No, now he he has to do it again. But here we are prime time against arguably the best team in the NFL, and he just had his best game of the season. He did. So that's all I'm going to say. Yeah. he is right now number two in touchdowns in the league. He has 10 interceptions. He has that's been fire. mint. Yeah. He has a couple of blemishes here and there. I'll, that's the regular season. It ebbs and flows. Yes. But for majority of it, you're great. And that's what Matthew Stafford has been. Drew, if I flip a coin four times and the first two times it lands on tails and the third time it lands on heads, what do I think it's going to land on the fourth time? Heads. 
You think it's going to land on heads after the first two out of three times it's landed on tails? 50 50. I'm thinking that coin. That's what exactly. I'm glad. Exactly. That's why I said it. I think that coin is landing on tails. Really? It's a 50 50. Two of the three primetime games, Matthew Stafford has not been very good. This past one, he was good. What do I think is going to be next one? I'd probably pick the safe bet and say he'll go down to what I think he's always been. But they're going to have their opportunities this last month to prove it to you and to everyone else who says Stafford can't do it in prime time. And we'll be, we'll be, be talking about this week to week. This was, yeah. bigger, he won't this get, was, the biggest this was game. a bigger game than the Niners, than the Titans. Yeah. The only one that compares is probably the Bucks earlier in the season because we want to and know. And what did he do? Yeah, he smoked them. Come on. He won't get past Minnesota. You're, in the regular season, you're saying? No, when they face, yeah, Minnesota's going to beat them. Uh, if that's their biggest question, come on. I'm feeling good. Yeah. The Vikings. I'm t- I, I know, told you, you said, I don't know. That clip right. was crazy. Because yeah. I feel like there's a lot of teams that would see the Vikings and be like, okay, fine. Child's play. Like, yeah. No, you're I acting think like nobody, nobody wants to face Nobody wants to face, I think, the Bucks. I think the Bucks and Packers are the two teams everyone looks at and being like, I want no part of them. I feel like them. of the wild card teams, I guess if the Rams become a wild card team, they're one of those teams I don't want to play. If the Niners get in on that wild card spot, they're another team. I don't, yeah, I don't, don't want Minnesota. to play. Minnesota, Washington, because like, those aren't those. No, no, Washington is not that. Well, Minnesota oh, well, yeah, yeah, is yeah. that. Nah, Minnesota is that. I just don't know what they do that like puts fear. Like Jetta's you want to talk about not playing prime well time. Prime facts. time. Your boy Kirk, like you're giving Maddie all this criticism. Where Kirk it, plays better in prime time than Matt, Matthew Stafford. I'm just gonna know. let you sit with that one. I don't no, know. I'm talking. About, look at the numbers. It's a fact. He I don't does. have the numbers. I find it. I feel like they're probably very I similar. Yeah. Because I, I mean, says you don't see Matthew Stafford in prime time. I'm sorry. We well, did. this year you have, but I'm talking about years previous. You you haven't. I'll no. Tell you what he Stafford. Have. Yeah, because he's on the Lions. It's so crazy. He really should have a playoff win. We've never seen a pass interference flag picked up in our lifetime, and it happened that's, that one instance. That's rough. That I'm still holding out. I mean, I you're all you, you're all in. You have to go on this ride, but I don't. I can I can get off at any stop. Are you talking about the Vikings? Yeah, the Vikings. You can. No, the Vikings. I'm all in. I'm, yeah. bro. I'm taking the high. Let's not also forget I'm that taking you, the express. You also said that your Rams. You thought they were going to win the Super Bowl too. Yes, because the roster. And is, you said it was the biggest mistake the, of your life. The roster is absolutely loaded. It is. But then I look at Stafford. I'm like, ah, I, I can't buy in. That's that's I what makes buy me in. feel great about it. It's that the biggest question. Is one of the best players in the NFL. Staffy. That makes me feel great. Yeah, I mean, MVP candidate, first few months of the season. He's still maybe he know, he's, say, he's, maybe he's he could back come in. Back. He's back in the One MVP of the best players sure. in the NFL. One of the best is players. Is he a top 10 player in the NFL? Probably not. He's a top 10 quarterback. Yeah, definitely. That is easy. Yeah. yeah. And he's going to be facing other top quarterbacks in oh, Kirk playoffs. <laughs> no, Tom Brady. No, yeah. Aaron Rodgers. Yes, fine. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to debate yeah. you if they exactly. have to play the, the Bucks Matthew or the Packers. Matthew Stafford, out of the top 10 quarterbacks that he's that He's going to have to face in the playoffs or the ones that are in the playoffs. Yeah. He's the worst all, out of all of them. Agreed. Well, because we're talking about the elites of the are elite. Are we talking what? Aaron Rodgers, Tom yes, Brady, and that, that Kyler, matters a lot. Kyler. Who else? Those are three, though. That's, that's almost half the okay, teams. That's, Dak Prescott. I'm taking Staffy. Dak and him are neck and neck. I, I agree. I agree. Yes, I agree. I agree. They're neck and neck. Agreed. You know, I, I'll go to war, I'd go batter to war with either of those guys. I probably lean a little bit Staffy. A little bit. I and think that's, coming, that's a lot coming from me. I know. You love... The Cowboys. You love. Hey, well, easy, easy, no, 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 easy, no, 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 easy. No, no. It's, it's been a couple years. I think Dak's leadership. <laughs> yes, is he has what, tremendous leadership. Show, sure. I'll gravitate towards yeah. Dak Prescott. I respect that. That's I respect the main that. man, and Prescott. Tangibles. 
Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. If Stafford, I feel like he just gives a better easy. dap. <laughs> better dap. Yeah, I feel like if Yo, I dap, Jesus, can I feel you like stop? that's crazy. Can you stop? That's crazy. Can I feel like stop? if I dap, I feel like Yo. if I make a great play. Oh my god! And I'm I getting, I'm getting real, right? If I'm getting a dap from Dak or a Stafford, I think from Dak, I like feel <laughs> the texture of his hands a little bit more, and it'd be much more secure. Oh my god! I'm speechless. I think it'd be a better dap. I maybe bro, bro. that matters. A dap matters. It matters. What? If, but you what if he's a fist bump guy, bro? You ever you ever dap somebody up and say, "Yo, what the fuck?" No, nah, yeah, of and course. You're like, damn, bro. I, I don't even want to dap you up no more. Like with <laughs> Dak, I think I'd be like, "Yo, that's my he's, guy." Yeah, I feel you. Like this I would want to dap off. him at least like four times. Like, yeah, you just want to touch him as much as you can. You could say it. Dap him, yes, for <laughs> sure, for sure. I would love to do that. Love to get a signed football by him and say, uh-huh. "Thank I you so much, my man." Dap. Imagine, yo, you're too much for that. Dak Prescott. Yo, you are a clown for that. We're recording this on a Wednesday night. Tomorrow is Thursday night, which means that in 24 hours, we are going to see a showdown between two of the best teams in the NFL, the Kansas City Chiefs and the L.A. Chargers. You think that highly of L.A.? I, I think that highly of L.A. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I was actually thinking about flying out to LA for this game, to, but the tickets so are tough. insane. The flights are insane. Tickets are insane. But I'm definitely going to go to SoFi. I love Chargers Nation. The Chiefs are nine and four. They were three and four. They've went on this six game win streak. Now they're nine and four. The Chargers are eight and five. And their first matchup, they beat the Chiefs thirty to twenty four. Who do you think is going to come out on top in this game? What are you looking for? What are some keys to success for both teams? And Herbert versus Mahomes. This is a this is something that's gonna happen two times every single I'm so year. Excited. This is a showdown. I'm so excited. This is the Chiefs haven't lost both games to an AFC West opponent since 2014 in the same season. So this would be historic if they did lose to the Chargers because earlier in the season the Chiefs were home. This was a different team though early in the year that had one of the worst defenses in the league. Mahomes, I still don't think Mahomes is fully back as of right now, but he's better than he was, you know, week three or week four. But when you go back and you look at that game, I mean, Herbert had one of his best games of the season, throwing for 280 yards and four touchdowns. The main reason why the Chiefs lost this game was the turnover battle. I mean, Mahomes threw two interceptions, the Chargers forced two fumbles. But if you look at the stats, I mean, Chiefs had more total yards, about the same yards per play. Chiefs even had more first downs. They were better on third down. They had fewer penalties. So when you look at this game, you're like, the Chiefs should have been in it, which they were. But you could even say they probably should have won this game if it wasn't for four turnovers and the Chargers having zero. So I'm going into this game. If the Chargers, if the Chiefs really want to win, there, there's a couple of things that, that have to happen. They have to be careful with the ball, which is what they've really been doing since the bye week. They had zero turnovers against the Raiders, and they only had one against the Broncos. And then they're going to have to get, get after Justin Herbert. I know their offensive line is strong, but now we see Slater's out. And this Chiefs offensive line has been playing tremendously, especially Chris Jones over these last few weeks. He might be out also. COVID. I yep, forgot about that. Yeah. I did forget about that. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, their last game, this Chiefs game against the Raiders, I know they've been up on the Raiders twice now, and it's kind of inflating some of their stats, but this defensive line played out of their mind. Chris Jones had 10 pressures. Frank Clark had seven. Melvin Ingram had four. And even coming there, a couple of their backups had a five combined between... Uh, I, didn't even, I didn't even see these names. So I'm, I'm PFF. I was like, damn, these guys... Uh, Tershawn Wharton and Alex Okafor had five pressures and two and a half sacks between them. Like mm-hmm. these are backups, rotational guys that the Chiefs are able to get into this defensive front now, and even they are showing success. So I think if the Chiefs can just take care of the ball, and if they're able to put pressure on Justin Herbert, which 
they really weren't able to do the first time the first time they played the Chiefs or the Chargers only allowed one sack earlier in the season and the Chargers had three offensive linemen with blocking grades over 80. So the Chargers really just dominated them up front. So if the Chiefs could be the more physical team, take care of the football, I think they'll be able to go into SoFi and take this one. You want to say something? Yes. Because of the COVID stuff, this is going to be a tough game for the Chargers. I mean, Rashawn Slater is going to be out, which means that Trey Pipkins is his replacement. And at the left tackle spot, Herbert's blind spot, that's huge. And Rashawn Slater has been one of the best left tackles no in doubt. the NFL. No he could be an all-pro as a rookie. Then on the right side, Brian Bulaga has been out. You have Storm Norton there, who is the Chargers' worst-graded offensive lineman. So at both tackle spots, the Chargers are playing with backup replacement players. That can be huge. Chris Jones might not play, but if he does, it's huge because he has the second most pressures in the NFL only behind Micah Parsons. That's because they've finally been playing him inside. They played him on the edge early on in the year, but they finally moved him inside. The addition of Melvin Ingram has been huge. Frank Clark finally getting situated has been huge. He's playing at his Pro Bowl level finally again. I don't I don't know if I can pick a winner in this game. I just see both two teams that are juggernauts that are ready to go to battle. I will say this. I don't think it's a high-scoring game. I think it's a defensive battle because I think both teams have gotten way better defensively since they first met. The Chiefs, when they first met the Chargers, they were one of the worst defenses in the NFL, and granted, on the six-game win streak, they've been on the best, but the competition hasn't been that great. They haven't been facing elite offenses, so people wonder, hey, if you do face an elite offense, can you be a great defense? For me, I don't have those question marks because I think the Chiefs are a solid group, and their defense has gotten better because of things they have done. It's not because they have faced weaker competition. You look at during their six-game win streak, Versus the Raiders, Broncos, Cowboys, Packers, and Giants, and then the Raiders again. They have four 16 turnovers since week eight, the most in the NFL. They are allowing 10.8 points per game, second behind only the New England Patriots. Frank Clark's return has been huge. Juan Thornhill replacing Daniel Sorensen has been huge. Melvin Ingram addition, moving Jones back inside. And LeJarrius Sneed, who has been great. Rashad Fenton, Charvarius Ward. And Mike Hughes, who had two forced fumbles against the Raiders. Mike Hughes, they got for nothing from Minnesota in the offseason. And he's been a huge addition. This team is playing ferocious defense. I think they're going to play ferocious against the Chargers. They're going to be great. They're going to be great. I'll tell you what. It's never good when, you know, you take information from Nick Wright, even though I am a huge fan of Nick Wright. I'm a huge fan of his, and that's why I say that, because I knew I was going to get this response. I actually saw him in the city. It was pretty exciting. I saw him with his wife. Shout out to them. But he said something that really, really sat sat with me, and it sat pretty well, unfortunately, because obviously I dislike the Chiefs. If you were to tell me prior to the season that the Chiefs would be 9-4, and and it would be their defense— at the forefront of this nine and four record, we probably you probably get called crazy. It's Mahomes. He's the best quarterback in the league. Statistically, eye wise, you just look, he's got something that these other quarterbacks don't have. If someone were to tell you that the defense was the reason the Chiefs were winning, you would get called crazy. Now, here we are with that scenario actually being a reality. Not that Mahomes has played bad by any means. 
It's 27 and 13, I believe, and 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 that's his uh, touchdown interception ratio. That's just off the top of my head. I'm pretty sure that's true, though. He's been pretty solid, just not the mint, perfect, quote-unquote, quarterback that we were accustomed to. But we're seeing this defense be legit. I don't have to read the stats to you. Joel just read them off to you. They've been amazing on the defensive side of the ball. If Mahomes is the one that's kind of lacking behind right now, I'm scared. <laughs> I'm terrified. I'm scared. This is the only thing the Chiefs really need is Mahomes to get mad and flip that switch. And they'll go on a type of run where they already haven't lost a game in, in, in seven seven weeks. Mahomes turns it on. This defense is the defense that they've been playing like. I hate to say it. They're back. They're going to the Super Bowl again. I said it a couple weeks ago. I felt like they needed to be a little bit more run-oriented. Not run or like run the ball through the tackles, run outside, but... See the running back in the passing game. Give him a couple more touches. You know, hit the checkdowns. Don't be so over-the-top dependent. We've seen Clyde Edwards be a little bit more effective. Not so much in attempts, but utilizing these attempts. Three touchdowns in three games. He's been really solid. Daryl Williams as a pass-catching yeah, guy. He's, he's been, been really super good. solid. Made some really, really nice plays. They're not looking for that over-the-top ball. We haven't seen Tyreek take, take the over-the-top ball in a couple weeks now. They're playing a little bit smarter on offense. They understand, hey, we don't have to be the Chiefs that, you know, everyone wants us to be because that's what they're expecting us. And they're they're game planning for us over the top. We'll take our time with this. We know that we could take the top. We could take the top off on any team. But if they're expecting that, why would we give in to that? Let's keep feeding Clyde. Let's keep seeing these under the, you know, these underpasses. Thank you. Why would we want to do a little bit more? Come playoff time, defense are now realizing, oh, wow, they're really adjusting. How do we play defense against that? That's when Mahomes takes over. And if this defense is going to continue to be top 10 the way that they've been playing top five over these last couple of weeks, they've been superb. And now we're going into this Thursday game with Rashawn Slater not being out. Derwin James has, is, has a questionable tag next to his name. Austin Eckler has a questionable tag next to his name. Unfortunately, Chiefs might run away with this one. If Derwin doesn't play, Tyreek is going to have a freakish game. Chris Jones has had five sacks during this win streak, and Clark has 12 quarterback hits. You talked about the Chargers' run defense. They are allowing 140 yards per game on the ground. Clyde's about a field day. But during these last couple of games from the Chargers, during, during the last four games for the Chargers, they have allowed 108 yards per game, which... Would rank twelve, so their run defense has been much better. I think this is going to be a close game. You talk about the Chiefs and their offensive struggles, and they're they're finally starting to find themselves again. They committed seventeen turnovers in the first seven games, and during this six game win streak, they have committed six. So there's more possessions yep. on the offense. Mahomes is being safer. Receivers aren't bobbling the passes as much as they were earlier earlier on in the season. I just don't know if we can trust this Chiefs offense because two of their highest scoring games have come against the Raiders. Gus Bradley is very stubborn in his defensive scheme. He runs a cover three, which has gotten figured out by the league for years now, but he runs a cover three. What's been stopping the Chiefs and neutralizing their offense has been a shell coverage, cover two, two man, basically coverage. 
the Raiders didn't run that. They don't run that against the Chiefs. Gus Bradley sticks by his, his scheme, and they've gotten lit up. And even in those games, like last game, there was defensive touchdowns in that game. There were a lot. Of, there was a lot of great field position. So it wasn't the Chiefs' offense. It wasn't all of them. Like all those points they scored, it wasn't all because of their offense. A lot of it was because of the defense. So I am curious to know that if I am curious to see that if Brandon Staley is playing a shell coverage, two man coverage, she probably will. How they're going to look? And Brandon Staley is a guy who. He's going to let you run the ball because he's worried about the passing game. He's worried about that. And they have the guys to cover Kansas City's guys. They do. And I think Kaiser White, their linebacker, has really stepped up as a leader these past couple of weeks. But if Derwin James does not play, that is huge. Because Asante, I think Asante also has a, a questionable tag. Next yeah, and too. he's been one of their he's better players on good. defense. Yeah. So they need to... We need to see how healthy they're going to be. But even if they have guys that I think this is too big of a game for either team to come out flat. And I think whoever wins this game between the Chiefs and the Chargers, it's going to it's going to accelerate a narrative of the of the between the, the Herbert and Mahomes duel. Last Mahomes, thing, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Last thing I'll say on this. What I was trying to get to is Let's say come playoff time, right? The defense is still being the defense that they've been over these last couple of weeks. They they are lock up. You need the Chiefs to get one score. Let's say it's a 14-10 game, right? Chiefs are losing. 14-10 game. I trust Mahomes to to score that touchdown. A 14-10 game, you you were telling me You don't that, trust Herbert? Oh, I'm not saying I don't trust Herbert. I'm just saying in general, just speaking about the Chiefs. Listen, Herbert, like I said earlier in the season, I'm taking Herbert right now. This season, I feel like Herbert has looked more mint, more clean than Mahomes has this season. You love that word today. I do. Mint, right? It's a good word. I feel like it's a very UK word. UK? Really? Mint? Justin Herbert's a top three quarterback in the NFL. He's been fantastic. Nothing short of fantastic. He's been amazing to watch. I just think that in terms of Kansas City versus the field, come come playoff time, if the defense is playing the way that they are, yeah. Mahomes is not going to go out. Sorry. Sorry. No way. Yeah, Mahomes had a few vintage moments last week. The one throw where he was running to his Bruh, left. That, I saw some stat next-gen stats. Like he was running like six or seven miles an hour to his left. He throws across his body. I don't even know how he saw Tyreek. I don't know how he saw the open part of the field, but put it right into his chest. It was and Tyre- by himself, yeah, too. That made no sense to me There either. was a safety that came late over yeah, the yeah, top. Yeah. This is a huge game for the AFC West. The Chiefs have a one-game lead on the Chargers, and the Chargers already beat the Chiefs earlier in the year. So if the Chargers are able to go up two games to no, to none on the Chiefs, so they have the tiebreaker, and now they're tied in terms of win-loss record, the Chargers are still going to have an opportunity to win this division. I know we were talking a few weeks ago about you know how this AFC playoff picture um, is going to shake out. I don't think any of us had Kansas City as a wildcard team. So if the Chargers are able to win this game, all of a sudden now they have home field advantage. They're going to be able to play one of these wildcard teams, whether that is the Chiefs, possibly the Colts, the Ravens. Now the now things look a little bit different for this team because they have an elite quarterback. They have a head coach who is a, a rookie head coach, but he's proven that he's aggressive and he's gonna, you know, his his scheme and the way he's been coaching has worked really well, not only on this defense, but the offense has a lot of swag to it. They're confident. You could see the way they're playing. And especially if you could get a spe- Early in the season, the way Mike Williams was playing, they kind of flip-flopped Mike Williams and Keenan. Early sure. in the year, Mike Williams was dogging. He was having one of the best seasons of his career. They were really connected on the deep ball a lot. And I just think teams have kind of, especially after the bye, have kind of looked at their team 
a little bit differently and they're taking that away from them. But now you see Keenan Allen coming in and he's having one of those vintage Keenan Allen seasons. He's going to have 100 receptions over 1,000 yards. So if they could find some sort of balance there, even Josh Palmer's had some big big plays and Guyton last week is really the one. Um, If they could find that balance again between hitting Mike Williams a few times a week, um, you know, per game down the field, because they're going to take the shots, right? We already know that. But if they could get back to really connecting on it, and now you have Keenan Allen over the middle of the field, you have Austin Eckler, one of the best running backs, aggressive head coach. I know they're young, and you know they have their future is really bright. But this is a team who, if they win this game and they could get a, a home playoff game, even though I know SoFi doesn't have the best reputation, that changes everything compared to going on the road in Kansas City or um, you know in one of these other division leading teams. I mean, the weather is completely different in LA versus. Yeah, you're in a dome. No doubt. Or no, no doubt. It's, it's, you know, Kansas City is cold, so they're going to be fit, playing in the cold. Justin Herbert has burst onto the scene so quickly that I think a lot of us are having trouble finding a place to rank him. Where does he rank amongst the top quarterbacks? But when I look at Herbert play, when I'm looking at this season, when I'm when I'm looking at last season and this season, to me, I think Justin Herbert is a top three quarterback in the NFL. And when we're talking, yes. Or and just this season. Period. Okay. And w- when we're talking about the top young quarterbacks, Josh Allen, Kyler, Herbert, Mahomes, I would have to sit for a minute and think about who I'm taking between Herbert and Mahomes. Right. I would have yeah. to sit and I might go with Herbert. I said the last Justin three. Herbert has done. You called me crazy for it. Justin Herbert has done something that no other quarterback in NFL history has done, not even Patrick Mahomes. Herbert came in as a rookie in a COVID-riddled season, no training camp, threw 30 touchdowns, broke every single rookie passing record this season. In the offseason, there was talks about regression. He's put those to bed. Talk Under a new offensive system, has thrown 30 touchdowns once again. Mahomes even with sitting for an entire year and throwing 50 touchdowns in his second season, in his third season, he threw 26. He didn't even do what Herbert is doing right now. And Justin Herbert is a player who, in college at Oregon, had four different offensive coordinators, goes into the NFL, has an offensive coordinator, then his second year has a different one. Herbert has had six different offensive coordinators in the past six seasons, and he's doing this. Imagine Herbert staying in one system, being steady in it. Imagine how dangerous this guy can be. When I'm ranking my top quarterbacks, I think Aaron Rodgers is number one. Because of brand name recognition, you have to go with Tom Brady, right? But I think even if if you ask somebody, hey, Tom Brady or Justin Herbert, you're probably going Justin Herbert right now. You're talking about the season or for the future? This season, Brady might be the best quarterback. I Brady's number one like, for me. Yes, I don't. Okay, I know. I, I look. You're, you're I, I think Brady if you lover. if you give just over four thousand yards, if you give MVP right now, I understand. 11, like, if you bro. give Justin Herbert, Mike Williams, Chris Godwin, Rob Gronkowski, and everything I know what you got, mean. Yes, yeah, I mean, Mike, come Mike on, Evans. bro. But you're gonna pretend like the Chargers Keenan don't have Allen, Keenan Mike, Allen, yeah, Mike, Mike Williams, Williams, Austin Eckler. Like he's got plenty he's got of weapons, dogs. and his O line solid this season. The two receivers you named me, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, aren't. Aren't even as good as Mike Evans. They're Keenan yes, Allen they're is in the conversation. Really good. Keenan they're, Allen's in that conversation. Above, Keenan, yeah, Allen, Keenan is, Allen is year in and year Allen out. Keenan Allen is would Keenan be Allen the, is, is very similar to Mike Williams, where year in and year out he puts up really good numbers. Keenan Allen Mike would be Evans. the fourth That's, best receiver on the Bucks. 
What? He'd be the fourth Who? best receiver on the Bucks. Keenan Allen. He's including Antonio a, including Brown. Including AB? I don't think so. I think he's better than AB. Okay. Well, See, when, that's tough for me because... I know. I know. That's so tough. You're biased. Okay, so my list this season then, I look at Aaron Rodgers and I think he's the best quarterback in the league. Just playing mistake-free football efficiently. Because Brady is a better leader, I might put Brady ahead of him. And Brady does all the things Rodgers does in terms of being efficient and being clutch. Then that number three spot for me between Herbert and Mahomes, who am I taking? Like, Kyler's up there. I think, I mean, Kyler to me, I'm taking Mahomes and Herbert over him. I'm not even thinking about it. Easy though. I'm not thinking about it. The only thing that stops me is his injuries the last two years. If you're telling me, even if he's healthy, I'm not taking taking Kyler over Mahomes or Herbert. It's, I'd probably take them too, but I think I he's in the discussion. I think the third best quarterback in the NFL above Mahomes is Justin Herbert for me. This guy is doing something historic, and we were talking about this game. Versus the Chiefs, Justin Herbert, his stats versus them, 298 yards per game, 10 touchdowns to one interception, a 117 passer rating. Whenever he faces Mahomes, he says, I'm about to show it to you. <laughs> and remember Mahomes' comment in the offseason – I'll I'll see it when I believe it. He flip flopped yeah. the words, and Herbert's showing him. And I, he showed him the first match of this season that I can outplay you. Let's see if he outplays him tomorrow. But I think Justin Herbert, this guy is he's special. He is, he is. special. He, that's that four biology major. That's why he's able six OCs four That's why he's, he's smart. And because Herbert has been so great, because Burrow bursts onto the scene as well, because Deshaun Watson bursts onto the scene. It's made it made it really hard for people to now evaluate rookie quarterbacks because we all think they have to be these guys, but they're once in a generation. What Justin Herbert is doing, we will never see again. At least in the two first two seasons for a rookie quarterback, this record might years. stay for a very long time. I'm saying thirty touchdowns back to back years. Yep. That was record, right? Yeah. First two seasons in the league. I'll just say this really quick because he threw a little shot at me saying, you know, uh, you know, you come onto the show, you get your minor W, you know, you never get him. Here we are, a couple of weeks after I had said Herbert has looked better than Mahomes this season. Yeah, I we would, were in agreement. I would, I would take Herbert over Mahomes right now. So I'll take that minor W right now, right? Hey, I take you that say, too because I was there. You say I, I was get, there. You, you say I, I lose every debate. So I just I had to throw my shot in there. No, no problem about that one. I just felt like the tone in your voices. It was awfully disrespectful <laughs> to the main man, Mahomes. I, listen, That's you my just guy. disrespected him. You just disrespected him. I didn't disrespect him. No not key. Once. You just took. Three players over him: Aaron Rodgers, Brady, and Herbert. Right? That's you not ju- crazy. That's disrespect. The Herbert one. I mean, that's hard. I I don't call you crazy. I wouldn't call you crazy. Brady and and Rodgers. If you're just talking this year, I agree because Mahomes his his mechanics just seemed a little bit off. His turnover worthy plays are up, but the Herbert thing, see, he's right there. Rogers, it's close. I Rogers still would take Mahomes, but it's so close. He's that perfect example of like the stats don't need to be there. Where he's not top five in, in Rogers, passing yeah. yards, touchdowns. He just knows how to manipulate They're one of the game. The reason it's just why with Rodgers, it's... I'm taking Brady one, though. That's where you... Yes. That's the only difference. It's just with Rodgers. You look at Aaron Rodgers, and you see what he has. Then you look at Mahomes, and you look at Brady, and you see what they have. In terms of weapons? Yes. Okay. And you see that they have drastically better situations offensively than Rodgers. This year, the Packers offensive line has been a bottom 20 offensive no line. Doubt. They haven't been that great. And Rodgers is still succeeding and playing efficient football. Yep, he is. I mean, a bad season for this guy is throwing two picks. For sure. And for the entire year. <laughs> yeah, I know like, what you mean. 
two years ago, he threw two picks the entire year. They're talking about if he's washed, you know? So that's a bad season for him. Yeah. If you put Rodgers with the Bucks and you replace him and Brady, does Aaron Rodgers not break Payton's records? He might. I don't want to hear this. He might. I don't want to hear this. No, but one, I will say I, this. I don't know if this is this is why it's hard maybe. because football is much more than just your skill and what you possess. For sure. Because Aaron Rodgers, I think we know talent wise and where they're at age wise right now, he probably has the edge over Tom Brady. But do I think Aaron Rodgers can lead a team like Brady? Can motivate men like yeah, Brady? He's a very weird. Not at all. You're saying Rodgers. He has a very like prickly kind of. So you if know. I, if I'm picking one player. You're going to be the leader for my team. You're going to be the quarterback for my team. I'm going with Tom Brady because yeah. he's a better leader than Rodgers. Yes. Yep. But amongst the, amongst the young quarterbacks, though, like Kyler, Allen, Mahomes, Herbert, Zach Wilson, I, I probably I'm going with Justin Herbert probably. And but yeah, hey. even if I go with Mahomes, it's like I got to think about it for a minute yes. and then I'm picking. Mahomes. Those are the only two. Like, I, I have think- to think. I think after that, there's a tiny gap between Kyler. I'm and going like, Allen over Kyler. I disagree wholeheartedly. I'm going I, Allen over Kyler. Bro. I don't know, bro. Kyler is special. Josh Allen is special. He, no, I'm not taking are, anything yeah. away from Josh. Josh Allen is special. Kyler just can make some plays that that only he can yeah, make. Yeah, literally, and man. Like yeah, the only thing that Josh Allen was he was he running away from Aaron Donald? I'm asking. I don't know. I'm not. I'm. I'm With asking. The, yes. the rush you're saying? Yeah, like, no, the one that he's scrambling that he throws the ball to AJ Green. Who was he getting chased by? Because that play was crazy. I don't remember off the top of my head. Bro, he, Josh Allen. He's six five. He has the size. He gives some good daps too. I believe it. <laughs> His hands probably double what my hand size is. Now, yeah. jo- Josh Allen's that dude. Josh yeah, Allen is, is special. And t- talking about Josh Allen, it's a, it's a perfect segue. Oh, absolutely. Wow. The Buffalo Bills, it seems like they can't beat good teams. They lost to the Bucks 27-33 to in overtime. Brashad Perriman, Jets legend, caught a touchdown in overtime to win that game. He's, he's ran by everybody. He's a speedster, speedy Perriman out there. And... The Bills lost a game. They lost to a good team yet again. And they are 1-5 in five against 500 teams this season and allowing 27.5 points per game in those games, which would rank 30th in the NFL. Why do you think the Bills can't beat these better teams? And do you think they're a legit playoff threat? I'll start with you, Drew. I've been saying this for weeks. You cannot be a consistent winning team if you do not have a run game. We've been saying this for years, probably. No, for sure. With the Bills. Oh, no doubt about that. Last season, 100%. You looked at them. Obviously, they were a great team. They they went to the AFC Championship game. And what was their biggest struggle in that AFC Championship game? They could only pass the ball. And Josh Allen needed to do everything. And it was very predictable as a defense to scheme for that. Now we're going into this season. And now Josh Allen's their leading rusher. And for me personally, unless your name is Lamar Jackson, the quarterback should not be your leading rusher. I understand Josh Allen, he has that type of ability where he can be a solid rusher as the as a quarterback. He's probably the third best rushing quarterback in the league. Fourth best. I'll throw respect to Jalen Hurts as number three. Probably go Lamar, Kyler, Jalen, and then there's Josh Allen right there. But when you don't have that option of running the ball consistently to get you out of a game or get or you know open the field for you just open up the play calling 
anything, it gets hard. The perfect example of this is against New England, where the script is literally handed to you on a silver platter. New England took it. The Bills didn't. Run the ball. If you don't have that ability, you're going to get beat. The Patriots ran the ball an absurd amount of times. I'm going to look at it right now. They ran the ball 46 times. I think it was like 95% of their offensive the Patriots. The mean, Patriots ran the ball yeah. 46 yeah. times. Mac had three attempts. And he won the game. Three attempts and won the game. Now, I, listen, this isn't anything towards Josh Allen. I don't want it to sound like I'm, I'm down on, on the Bills because of Allen because that's not the case. He's amazing. He's the reason why the Bills are in a position to win almost in every game. That being said... You're not going to be a team of high caliber if you don't have another aspect of your game. Even the Chiefs, who are a pass-dominant team, have that ability to rush the ball. Bills don't have that. Something actually came to me, and I will give credit to my boy Sean because he threw this at me. Next season, you know a running back's a free agent? Saquon Barkley. Not this offseason, the following. Would it be the following? This is year four. Did they? What happens if Saquon goes to the Bills? That'd be tough. Then I'm all in. I'm all in on the Bills. I'll double check the Saquon, but I'm pretty positive. I could have swore that this he's getting a contract next season. People are talking about, oh, are you going to pay Saquon? No, you're not. You let me know. That being said. Yeah, he signed in through 2022. I've been saying it for weeks now. You need to run the ball. And if you can't run the ball, it's that simple. You're not going to get anywhere. Listen, uh, with the Bills... In this game, I agree. I think you need to have a a sort of a balanced attack because the Bills are like 90% pass, 10% run. I mean, in this game alone, they made history, but for the wrong reasons. They called zero run plays for a running back in the entire first half against the Bucks, which that's the first time a team has done that since 1991. Jeez. They called running plays for Josh Allen, and Josh Allen did his he thing. Ate. He ate. This is why when talking about Josh Allen versus Kyler, why I picked Josh Allen. What I saw in this game. can with you. There are very few quarterbacks that can take over an entire game. There are few players that can take over entire games, regardless of the sport. And I saw Josh Allen take over over against the Bucks. Like if it wasn't for a Levi Wallace pass interference on Mike Evans, which was a very questionable call, the Bills are probably they, they're probably coming out on top in that game. What Josh Allen did, 308 passing yards, 109 rushing yards, three touchdowns, one pick. Josh Allen took over. It's like a switch went on and it was the Josh Allen show. He, he was running the passes Darts, that's why saying two is more accurate is crazy when I see what Josh Allen did. I don't first know. Two, two, first two seasons of his uh, career, he was dead last in completion I know, percentage. I, I don't know, want to hear this. I know Kyler. He's a new, he's a new Josh guy. Allen. He's a new guy. I know Kyler Murray is phenomenal. I don't know if he can take over a game like I saw Josh Allen I mean, do. He can. He can. He can. No, he cannot. He can. He can't take the hits Josh Allen takes. Okay, but that's he can't a whole fight for the extra yardage Josh yes, Allen agreed. fights for. But I don't care He's if he can't because Josh but, Allen will get hurt doing that. But you saw eventually he'll get hurt. You well, saw that Monday yet. night. You saw that Monday night game where Kyler Murray shook two defenders 
and it was like a 25 yard yeah. game that ended up getting called back. But yes. he oh, made yeah. that happen. That was the last drive. Yes. That, yes. Yeah, where they would have went down the field. Now you're, I mean, it wasn't a field goal game, but now you're on like the 40. Now instead you're backed up on your own 30. He it doesn't have that, that physicality that Josh Allen provides, but no he doesn't doubt. Have, but, but he doesn't Josh need Josh doesn't to. have the shiftiness. No way. No, not close. The no quarterback does. Kyler doesn't have the arm Josh Allen has. No, but he he has arm a great arm for sure. But in terms arm. of play, exactly, I agree. Oh, yeah, but like Josh Allen is on a different level. Is what I'm trying to tell you. I know, and, but and what and what Kyler's sense, more though. elusive. He's bet. I think when it comes to escaping the pocket, Kyler's probably the best in the league. I agree. No one's as elusive as him. No one's as quick as him. I agree. I just prefer bigger guys, and I'm going with Josh Allen. Oh, I believe you. Pause. <laughs> you know what I mean by that. But I'm going with Josh Allen just because. I mean, you can't teach what he has. Yeah. You can't teach collar speed either. But if I get a six, seven offensive lineman, I don't know what he can do. Josh Allen, I'm comfortable with. The Bills have lost four of six. They are seven and six right now. We all thought coming into the season that they're gonna win the AFC East. I actually placed a bet on the Patriots because I had a feeling they nice. were gonna win it. But neither What's here or there. there. Yeah, those must have been good odds. I did a parlay with every single division. Oh, so, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I got a lot of them. Other ones. <laughs> so, because I picked the Vikings over the Packers, you know, that that one. I had Washington. The Bills have lost to the Bucks, Pats, Colts, Jaguars, Titans, and Steelers. Now, let's just take a look at these games because we are making such a big deal of this running thing, which I think it has validity to it. But versus Pittsburgh, they lost 23 to 16. Versus Tennessee, 34-31. Versus Jacksonville, they lost by three. Versus the Colts, now that was an obliteration. They beat them 41-15. to Versus New England, 14-10. Versus the Bucs, 33-27. These are all one-score games. These are all games that can go either way. So I don't know if running the football more would change the outcome of these games. Well, But I do think that having a more balanced attack makes defenses be yes. on their toes a little bit more but even even with even without that the bills are still doing whatever they want on teams that's and that's, versus the patriots in Jacksonville, those, they couldn't do whatever they wanted against Jacksonville. i think that was just a that was, was just a, weird, a game it was, it was just a weird it's game a long season happens versus new england the weather conditions of that game and, and that's what really showed me a lot about josh allen they didn't even trust mac jones to throw the ball more than 3 times and I think any coach that walks into that game with a game plan is not making their quarterback throw more than 10 times. Josh Allen was getting the Bills down the field, throwing the ball in those conditions. He had 30 attempts, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I don't see many quarterbacks doing that, and that's because he has the arm to do it. You're right. I think they have to have a more balanced attack, but I don't think that's necessarily why they're losing the games. Like If you told me... Well, the difference in this Bucks game was that the Bills didn't run the ball 10 more times, even though they're running into a stone wall with the Bucks rush defense. Well, they win the game. You know, that's why I think that's a gray area there. But I do think the Bills can win this way. It's going to be tougher, but they can win this way. That's why those stats always crack me up. When it's like the Cowboys are 8-0 when Zeke gets 20 or more attempts. Well, the game's completely different. If you're winning, you're going to be running the ball. And that's the same thing with the Bills. They don't necessarily have to run the ball more. They just have to be able to run it effectively and keep teams on their toes. Because like I mentioned earlier with Sony Michelle, were they crazy effective? Like they, he had 20 carries for 80 yards, but just getting four carry, that's going to do enough for teams and the linebackers to creep up. And that's how they got the play action game going. That's the 
we're going to talk about the Titans a little bit, but it's kind of the same situation where if you have just some semblance of a running game, because I don't really care if you get, if you touch that 20 carry mark, right? Or that number where the statistics say you're eight and no, like it's kind of similar to Jonathan Taylor when he gets a hundred or more yards, a little bit different because he's kind of the focal point of that offense. But even still, when you're winning games and you're up early, you're going to run the ball more, which is why those statistics are so swayed. But this game against the Bucks, I just kind of think they got dominated. I mean, just physically, I think the Bills' offensive line just got dominated from the first snap. In the first half. And you think they got dominated the entire game? The first half especially. They came back again in the second half. But the Bills' offensive line allowed 34 pressures and three sacks, which is why they got down so early. And because of that, he, Josh Allen wasn't able to push the ball down the field as much as we normally see. He had a season-low 31% of his attempts, which traveled past the first down marker, and an average depth of target of 6.3, which is second lowest of his season. So getting into that deficit so early kind of changed the game plan for the Bills. And if they're going to be getting dominated, the, the Bucks are kind of an outlier because they're one of the most physically intimidating teams Correct. with all of those guys on the defensive line and, and just the front seven in general. But you need to have, I'm kind of a proponent of, you need to have an elite quarterback. If you want to make a deep playoff run, right? You need to have an elite quarterback or you need to have a you still need to have at least average or above, kind of a Carson Wentz type with another elite component. With the Colts, it's their it's their running game. Um, Matthew Stafford, depending if you want to call him a leader or not, I think Sean McVay is an elite coach. Great, uh, the Bucks just have everything. But even if you don't have everything, right? You're not the Bucks. They them and the Packers might be the only two teams I already look at. I'm like they just have it all. There's nothing that they're missing. Just show me a little something, right? Have the Bucks give you some respect and credit because they were just blitzing them like crazy. And, and that's why that also contributes to why Josh Allen wasn't able to throw the ball down the field. He's pressured 34 times. What do you have? 52 attempts. Like it's hard. Every other play you're going back there, you're passing the ball. You already mentioned it. How many, they didn't have a single rushing attempt for running back in the first half. No quarterback is going to be able to overcome that. The reason why they were in this game is because Josh Allen took over, like you mentioned, for sure. And in the second half, when the script is to pass the ball and your two running backs haven't combined seven touches in that second half. On the second half, they did their thing. No, the two, Devin Singletary, Matt Breida, combined seven carries. The reason why this game was able to become in reach for the Bills was that, one, this, the Bucks secondary is not the best. And obviously, you have Josh Allen, who's a fantastic quarterback. He knows how to spread the love. Diggs hasn't put up. He has those those games here and there scattered throughout the schedule where he he freaks out. But you have Diggs, 7 for 74. You have Cole Beasley, 9 for 64. Dawson Knox, 7 for 60. Gabriel Davis, 5 for 43. Devin Singletary, 6 for 37. Josh Allen took this game over and dotted up and extended plays with his legs. That's what was able that's why they were able to to come back and, and put themselves in this game. Now imagine they really, really focused on the run game. They could just open up this the the play calling so much for Josh Allen. We're looking at the Bills team right now who is competitive week in, week out with every team. And they're just falling short. And this is with them being a one-dimensional team. We see them become a two-dimensional team, then all the hype is real. There is no one that could say anything about them. But until that happens, we're not, me personally at least, I'm going to continue to be consistent with this. I don't see them as a Super Bowl contender. Yeah, I agree. I don't know if they're a real threat because they've beaten up a lot on bad teams, like especially earlier in the season when they had one of those elite defenses. But you look who they played, the Dolphins early in the year, you know, with the Sean Watson rumors, Brissett playing, Tua was an injury. So early in the year, the Dolphins offense was a mess. They held the Dolphins and Texans to zero points and the Dolphins again to 11. 
the Jags to nine points and lost that game, the Jets to 17, the Saints to six points. Like these are all offenses that are not good to some of the worst in the league. Now we'll give them credit because 14 to the Patriots, but it's a, a very yes, a very unique situation where that doesn't really do much for me because you're not able to pass the ball. But their most impressive win was probably holding Kansas City to 20, which again, earlier in the year when Kansas City's offense, I know, like I said earlier, it's not back yet, but still, their offense is better now than it was then. So that's the one that the one game I could look back on and be like, okay, they held 20 to Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. But I look at the rest of this. If you can't play elite defense against top top competition, like they up 41 to the Colts, right? Big games to Tennessee. I don't know if I could trust you because you can't run the ball, so you can't stop the other the opposing team off the field. Yep, that's a fact. I still believe the Bills are a threat. They won two playoff games last year and made the AFC Championship playing the exact same way they're playing now. They didn't run last year either. You can still win. They yeah. and they're still a threat. But fi- teams I think they can win a game or out, two. Though. I think they I don't win know a game if teams or two. are figuring it out. All these games have been one score games. It's not. Some have been by a field goal. The Titans haven't figured the Bills out. The Titans just happen to have the ball last. You know, if, if the Bills face the Titans, if the Bills face the Colts, if the Bills face some of these other teams, like outside of the Patriots, and even the Patriots, they can beat. Outside of really, no, now, thinking about it now, I don't I don't see a team where the Bills can't beat. I'm looking at these games, and their losses have come from teams that run the ball effectively. Tampa Bay, Leonard Fournette had a great game. New England, like I mentioned, I over agree, 40. I agree, but I don't, I don't know if... Indianapolis, Jonathan Taylor had the game of the season against Jacksonville... Uh, uh, excuse me, James but Robinson have a great game. In, in Tennessee, Derrick Henry had a signature game. In in that game versus the Colts, two of Jonathan Taylor's touchdowns came off of turnovers that the defense forced, and then put him in great so positions. The other three, three other I was going to say the other three. <laughs> no, I know what I, I know. I know what you're talking about, but I'm saying I think that game, the Bills came out flat. If they face again, that's not going to happen. That's just not going to happen. Colts are, the Bills, Colts are real though. The Bills can beat any team in the AFC. I think they can also the they can also lose to any team in the it's AFC. Wide open. It is wide open this year. I think the Bills can still win, but just to highlight some of the problems, I do think they're too Josh Allen centric. Agreed. No I, I don't see definitely there are a few teams in the NFL that I see they make their quarterbacks do everything. Lamar Jackson with the Ravens. Yep. Josh Allen with the Bills. Russell Wilson with the Seahawks. After that, I can't think of other quarterbacks that have to do everything for their teams. Mahomes gets help. Herbert gets help. Brady gets help. Dak gets help. Stafford gets help. There, Yeah, there are only three quarterbacks I can think of that their teams put everything on their shoulders and say, you're going to carry us, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, and Russell Wilson. And we've seen this year, Russell Wilson, his back broke. You know, he, he yeah. had a he he had he got injured, he got sidelined. Now the Seahawks, the Jets got their pick, and I'm I'm ecstatic um, about yes, that. Thank God. Their tackles, the Bills tackles are fine. Their guards, that's where they're vulnerable. That's why they allow so much pressure because interior pressure is much more efficient than pressure on the outside because you can escape the outside pressure. But if it's, if it's coming from the inside, it's right, in your face. it's right in your face. It's harder. Trey White being injured absence that's a huge absence no doubt even though i think dane jackson did a, did a pretty good job on gronk but i mean it's gronk and they have an okay run defense like you mentioned fournette went off taylor even though i think you know the numbers may have There's been still three others came yeah. i know the, the numbers may have been a little bit uh not like if you he know, wasn't having an all the numbers may have been a little bit inflated if but he wasn't yeah, the you're best right. running he back had, in the nfl fine okay but. yeah 
Derrick he Henry. had a great game. Yeah, Derrick Henry. Again, so the best running back. Their in the run, NFL. their run game isn't is pretty vulnerable. Their run defense is pretty vulnerable. I look back to the 2021 NFL draft. I'm the Buffalo Bills sitting at, sitting at 30. I think Gregory Rousseau was a good pick. That was a great pick. I think he's going to be a pretty good player. But you need a running back. Javante was right. You could have got the Bills could have got Javante Williams who is one of the best running backs in terms of breaking tackles in the league. He's elite. Or they could have traded up and oh, got a him. Najee Harris. I don't have to do that. The Buffalo Bills <laughs> that offense with Najee or Javante Williams is yeah. dangerous. I get it Gregory Rousseau is a good player. But you could have maybe gotten Aziz Ojulari in the they, second round. They got Michael Carter in round three. Thank I, God they didn't. But my, they could I, think, have. I think Mike Carter is just like another uh, Devin Singletary. He's better than Devin Singletary. He is better, better than he's Zach like Moss. Better than Matt Breida. Yo, Ma- Michael Carter is kind of like that. Michael Carter is really like good. That, so bro. if I was the Bills, if I was drafting, I would have taken a running back in the first round. I think that was a much bigger need than edge rusher because they took AJ Epinesa the yeah. year before. Yeah. I think they needed a running back. They didn't take it. Oh, well, they're going to have to figure it out going forward. That's a big need coming in. This is this is going to be the third year, this upcoming offseason, where they're going to be having Devin Singletary and Zach Moss being their running backs, and it's just inexcusable. Devin Singletary did show flashes, though. Michael Carter is better, though. Like, Dawson, we Knox, Jets is, Dawson Knox is pretty good. Yo, shout yeah. out to him. I mean, he's the week not before, as good. He had, he's not as good as Dustin Keller, though. <laughs> Dustin Keller, you're taking me back. <laughs> Dustin but Keller. The game yeah, before, nice. though, the game before Knox was terrible. He had what three drops, like but, and just brutal again, drops. Yeah, but it was again the weather was bad. I'll give him a break. Versus the Colts, he wasn't good either. Dawson Knox dropped a lot. But of passes. He had a, he had a great game this week, but he's a, he's having a bit of a breakout season. That those third year tight ends, man. That third year, leads, that's when tight ends really start to break he out. Leads the Chris league Hernan? in touchdowns for <laughs> tight ends. A fourth round pick for him. Jesus. Who? Huh? That Daw- that Dawson oh, Knox uh, leads the league in touchdowns at tight end. Oh, yeah. Well, how many does he have? Like 10? 10. Jeez. He's a Robert Tunyon of this season. Oh, yeah. Thank that's God. a great comp. Thank Tunyon's a free agent um, after this year. I would love to see the He's Jets a product of Aaron Rodgers. I'm fine. I'm, I'm staying on. He's off better there. than uh, I don't Tyler trust, Croft. I don't trust those tight ends, bro. Like Julius Thomas with the Broncos. I know, he but. He went to the Jaguars and nothing. We can't give him a two year, like 10 mil deal? Nah, bro. I'm picking, I'm picking somebody else. I'm, I'm you take- need somebody that can block. Excuse I'm me. talking to J- Dustin Keller. <laughs> Calling him up. Dustin Did you still Keller. play, bro? Come back, please. please. Dustin Keller's nice. He was nice. H- how about uh, uh, Callum Winslow Jr.? Yo, he's in jail. Junior? Yo, bad. Damn. Like, we should not talk about him. Oof, didn't yeah. know that. Uh, what about Austin Safarian Jenkins? ASJ. He <laughs> was, yo, he was, Austin Safarian Jenkins was the one tight end I always thought was going to be good that never he became He was mad bro. athletic, but just never could. Yeah, bro, at really. all. Like yeah. he was Aaron Hernandez. I thought I thought Herndon was going to be really good. He showed flashes too, and just bro, something about Jets in this tight end position we can't figure nah, out. Dustin Keller was literally like the only one I could really remember. And in he my left lifetime. to Miami, bro. Didn't yeah. do nothing. And he got hurt the next year. I think yeah. he like tore his ACL really early, maybe the preseason or something. Dustin Keller was my guy, bro. Yeah, he was nice. I mean, he was solid. Yeah, number eighty-one. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he was there the good old days, man. Dustin some, Keller. Take you back. So, take me back. To right he just now. has a cool name, bro. Dustin, Dustin Keller. Keller. Is a like, cool yeah. name. Yeah. Like, I'm going to buy Dustin Keller's jersey. Uh, he was nice and Madden. He was. He was nice and Madden. Yeah, because he's fast, bro. He yeah. was. Just super fast. Yeah. Just need to bat, upgrade a tight end bad this year. We need a lot. Who's your guy, Ryan Griffin? And Tyler Croft. They both kind of stink. The Bills right now are trying to climb back on top of the AFC. The Titans right now are currently one of those teams at the top of the AFC despite all of their injuries. It's been reported that Derrick Henry is on track to return for week 18. How much does this change the Titans' playoff 
expectations. They're saying that he's on track to return for the playoffs or sooner. He is still wearing a walking boot. He suffered a Jones fracture. Floor is yours. I still think he's probably not going to be back week 18. Unless the Titans are in a win and you're in or they could somehow get the number one seed. It doesn't make much sense to me that the Titans would bring him back week 18, you know, have him practice that whole week, play, practice again, then play again. I think they'll probably hold him until the first week of the playoffs. And I think Derrick Henry's the type of player who he doesn't need in-game reps. You know, he's a beast of a man. Like, he's going to be able to go in first so. game back, beast of a man. No, he's a beast. He's going to be able to come back, get 20-plus carries off rip. I think the Titans, I know earlier, probably a few weeks ago, um, we were talking about, you know, who would win this division. And right now, the way it's shaping up, I don't see any way the Titans lose this division. The next two games for the Colts are home against New England, away in Arizona. And the Titans already hold the tiebreak over him, winning winning both of their matchups. So I don't really see any way that the Colts and probably going to be losing these games or probably in like comeback situations. I don't trust Carson Wentz to win type shootouts, especially against New England's, you know, best events in the league. I think they lose both of those games. There's only four games left. So I think the Titans are going to win the division, hold Derrick Henry out until the first game of the playoffs. But then you look, if you get Derrick Henry back, you got Julio Jones back last week. AJ Brown's eligible to return week 16. Regardless if he comes back 16, he should be good to go by playoff time. And now this whole offense changes. You're going back to last year's offense where you're able to give Derrick Henry the ball, teams are going to have to creep up with those linebackers, those safeties are going to have to cheat, are going to have to cheat up, and the play action game is back. Those crossing routes to Julio Jones, to AJ Brown, that's been killer, especially last season where we saw AJ have his best season of his career, and that's something that Julio is going to be able to eat too, as long as he could stay healthy and um, you know be able to stay on the field. Because now all of a sudden with AJ and Julio, you don't have to worry. Defenses don't care about Chester Rogers, right? And, and Nicholas Westbrook, I don't even know. I his. think he's been pretty good. Regardless, yes, regardless, they're not AJ Brown. They're not AJ Brown, Julio Jones. He he makes a play every week. He's been serviceable. He's been serviceable. Yes, they're fine death pieces. They're fine death pieces. You know, you know. He would be the number one on the Jets. No, he wouldn't. He wouldn't be the number four. Keelan Cole's this past week. He would have been. Keelan Cole's better. Keelan Cole's not better. Keelan Cole's better. Start showing respect, Keelan Cole. He's your best receiver. Like, oh my God, Westbrook Akina is <laughs> nice. I'm telling you, bro. Uh, right okay, now, without re- Corey David, um, excuse me, without Elijah, Elijah and Corey. Corey. Um, but regardless, now that you get those two guys on the outside back with Derrick Henry in the backfield, now you finally have a respectable offense again because this Titan team. I know they just blew out the Jaguars, but it's the Jaguars. We're gonna. I mean, they're a mess. Um, in terms of how much does this change my expectations for them? I think they go from a first round exit to winning a game. I don't think Derrick Henry comes back and I see them as going to the AFC Championship game and potential Super Bowl, but I think they're able to win a game. I don't think they're not in the same class as the Chiefs and Patriots, but can they compete with Buffalo Colts, Baltimore? They could beat Chargers. I think they're in that class. I might like a couple of those teams more than them, but any given week, especially in the playoffs, you know, one game, that's all it takes. I think they're right on that edge in terms of, you know, winning a game possibly, but they're going to be, they'll have a home playoff game. So I think they'll win their first playoff game round two. They'll take an L with whoever they play. It's Derrick Henry. Your guy. Derrick Henry comes back to your squad. He instantaneously makes you better. You saw the impact that he had once he was in the game. The number one running back in the league led the league in rushing two to three weeks after he had gotten injured. I think is he is he eighth? Last I there was a week where it was like four or five, six weeks removed. He was still top three in rushing yards. He was having that much of a freak season. But you he's look four right now. He's four. That, I thought I thought I remembered seeing him within the top five still. But we've seen the Titans offense since Derrick Henry's gone out. 
Again, they've had a bunch of injuries to A.J. Brown, to Julio Jones in and out of the lineup. That definitely doesn't help them. But since he's been gone, they haven't had a rusher sniff 50 yards outside of this game against New England. But I'll be honest, I don't really care about that. They got smoked 36-13. to 13. So that really doesn't mean anything to me. Hiller scored that long touchdown in in uh, excuse me in garbage time. And same thing. No, with, it wasn't a garbage time, but he did it like you know, you know, like when they were already getting smoked is what I'm saying. They were it was really already out of reach. And this past weekend against Jacksonville, I'll give them their credit. Obviously, a win's a win, but it's Jacksonville. You need to beat a, beat a team like that, especially when you're atop of the AFC already, and you're as well coached as the Titans are, which is what I give yeah. a, a a good portion of responsibility to. They're very well coached. Mike Vrabel is one of the better coaches in the NFL. Their defense, especially their rush defense, has been very solid. I'm not going to sleep on their secondary either. Uh, Kevin Byard has been fantastic, one of the best safeties in this league. But now you add Derrick Henry back into the mix, and now your rush game is 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 completely back to what it was. And now you let's say AJ AJ uh, excuse me AJ Brown's supposed to be back when next week, two weeks. So now everything starts to click where you're having the offense that you came to the season with, and now this is the team that you had success with early on in the season where you weren't losing games. So now, do I think that they would be contenders with with um, Derrick Henry back in the lineup? No. I didn't think that they were Super Bowl contenders when Derrick Henry was fully healthy personally. I still would take the Chiefs. I still would take the Pats for sure. But outside of that, even still, if the Titans play the Colts in the first round, I think the Colts win. I do believe that. I agree. I don't think they lose a third time, especially the way that the Colts have been playing recently. The Colts get in. They could beat legitimately anyone. I don't care who they play, in the AFC at least. But... The, the the Ravens they could beat I don't I still don't know if the Ravens make the playoffs yeah I don't know personally now Lamar's hurt 100 percent they got Green Bay this week Chargers a good rush team especially a team like the Colts especially a team like the Titans that have that Derrick Henry could come back Titans could get a win from them no doubt and the Browns let's say that they get in I think that the Titans can also beat them but outside I mean I you have the Patriots you have the Chiefs that alone already seals it for me that I don't think that they can make it to the Super Bowl. When looking at this injury, we have to know when Derrick Henry is going to return exactly. And it's a six to eight week recover, recovery time. It's been six weeks now going on to seven. Demarcus Lawrence had a similar injury and returned in 10 weeks. So, you know, we're probably look, we're eyeing a week 18 yeah. return for Derrick Henry. The Titans are one of the best teams in the AFC, and that's been with all their injuries. Julio Jones... The trio of Henry, Jones, and AJ has not been what we thought it was going to be. Nope. And that's mostly because Julio Jones is not the player he once was. They've all been hurt. They all have been hurt, but even when they've been healthy, Julio Jones has not made a Julio Jones impact on the game. He just hasn't been that same player. I look at the Titans, and I look at Derrick Henry specifically, and I'm in awe. And he's fourth in the NFL in rushing and hasn't played since week eight. 937 yards, 10 touchdowns. I hope he does play so he can get to 1,000 yards at least. Just to get that on his resume, okay, I had X amount of 1,000-yard rushing season. I hope he does get that. Julio Jones still dealing with a hamstring injury, even though he was back versus the Texans. A.J. Brown coming back pretty soon. The problem with this team isn't talent because – off talent alone and everybody healthy, they can, they're can they contenders. They can make it out of the AFC. The problem with them is that they don't have continuity. 
They don't have chemistry, and that matters. All these other teams are making runs. The Colts are making a run. The Patriots, the Chiefs, even the Chargers, they're all starting to find their groove right now. They're all going out there week to week playing with their best players. They're building continuity and chemistry. Tannehill still has to adjust to Julio. That's not a that's not a finished connection yet. Derrick Henry has to come back from the injury and be himself. And that's a large task, even for someone like him to do, to be out since week eight, multiple weeks. You, you've been off for two months, and now we want you to be 200 yards rushing Derrick Henry. That's a lot to ask. But when you're a beast, you're a beast. We saw Terrell Owens. That's when we're talking about signature moments. That's wow. why I asked you. Oh, yeah. yeah I guess, you know what I'm saying? That's why I asked. Are we talking moments? Are we like one specific player? Are we talking games? Because T.O. had one of those where yeah. he was yeah, out the whole mm-hmm. season, came back for just a Super Bowl, and had over 100. He was so, out for the playoffs. He, I, I'm pretty sure he was out almost the whole, uh, relative, like a multiple, no, multiple he played the, It was the a season. serious injury too, right? He had a, uh, a foot injury. He played the season. He got injured, I think, in the playoffs. He got injured at the end of the regular season. And then he came back in that game. You might be right. I'll look it up later. That being said, when you're a beast, you're a beast. Terrell Owens is that special type yeah. player. Derrick Henry is that special type player. I I personally have no doubt that he'll come in and he'll still have a significant impact on the game. Will it be this outrageous 30 touches a game, 150? Yeah. It's possible. It's, it's possible. Th- I was also wondering, like, are we getting Derrick Henry back? Is he 90% Derrick Henry, 80, 70? Because I don't know if you could bring in week one and give him those 30 touches, but I'm pretty confident he could get 20. I mean, when you have the load that Derrick Henry has already been accustomed to, and you understand me being Derrick Henry, right? Yeah, you're something else. Uh, you you're taking over for Riv, right? Riv's not here. You got it. You got it. <laughs> whatever. That being said, Derrick Henry understands the responsibility that's on his shoulders. He's going to come in. He's not going to expect anything less than his normal load. Yeah. It's that simple. Another thing that worries me about the Titans is that they can't protect. They can't pass protect. Specifically, yeah, Tannehill is the third most sack quarterback. He's the eighth most blitz quarterback. He's fourth in quarterback hits. I mean, I seriously think the Titans may have ruined Ryan Tannehill based off this season, letting him get hit so much. I mean, you can see he's starting to get rattled. He's starting to play differently because he just he he has to process. I'm about to get hit by this guy. If I yeah. hold this ball half a second longer, I'm going to get smashed. So Tannehill has... Wow, why do you make that face? I'm sorry, it's bro. Something it's else. Can you relax? His, his facial expression, he made it very clear. I'm just sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. What? He's going to get smashed? Bro, no, your <laughs> eyes got wide. You were smiling. I was like, all right, bro. <laughs> this guy over here, man. I told you he's taking over for real. He's, how he am I not? He, look, he was looking right at me, yeah, bro. Yeah, like. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> This guy. Yeah, he's something else. But Tannehill has to get rid of the ball quick because he's always in fear of somebody hitting him. And that goes back to the Arthur Smith loss. Arthur Smith, he's 6-7 and seven with the Atlanta Falcons right now. Todd Downing is not Arthur Smith. He's done an okay job uh, taking over for Arthur Smith. But Arthur Smith was such a gigantic loss, man. You see what he's doing with Cordero Patterson. The Falcons are in the wild card hunt. And we all, know how. we all didn't think that was going to happen. Arthur Smith has done a fantastic job with the Atlanta Falcons, and that's with Julio getting traded. That's with Calvin Ridley not playing most of the season. I mean, who 
who are their weapons? That's with an offensive line. Yeah. That's Kyle still, Pitts has, I mean, he's going to get a thousand yards probably, but he hasn't been special. That's with an offensive line that's still putrid. Yeah. I think Kyle Pitts has shown special moments though. Yeah, he moments. Had moments. He's had a couple of really good games. Did you know Arthur Smith's father founded FedEx? Yeah, no, Arthur Smith's a rich man. He's bro, rich, his, bro. His dad's worth like six billion. I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah, he's rich. That's why, it, it you know, guys like that are special. Because yeah. guys like that, can, that's a grind going. Because he was like a grad assistant, assistant coach for years. Finally got OC. Like that's that means like he a, loves football. Yeah, that's like a twenty to thirty year grind to get where he's at right now. And he yeah. could always anytime quit and be like, "All right, my dad's worth six billion. I don't have to work a day in my life." So that, that's why I mean, you look at the Atlanta Falcons versus the Titans. Arthur Smith's with Ryan Tannehill for the first two seasons. He's with he's in Tennessee. Ryan Tannehill has top ten quarterback like seasons. I mean, even better, like top eight quarterback seasons. I don't think Tannehill struggling because Arthur Smith left. I think the offensive line sucks. I think all of his weapons have yeah, basically been injured. I mean, the receivers he's throwing to Nick Westbrook-Akina, who I think has been pretty okay, Chester Rogers and, and Cody Hollister. I mean, who are those? That's yeah. a that's a worse receiving core than the than the Lions. No, no doubt. But Arthur Smith did did have a huge part in it, and you see his success in Atlanta. What he's doing, he deserves a lot of credit. And I think it's just been a mix. I think the Titans fully healthy can be a threat, but they can, they can make, they can make, go to the AFC championship. Are they beating the Colts for a third time? I think they could do So it. they could beat the Patriots or the Chiefs. That's where I struggle. To well, they're going to have to get through one of them probably to go to the Yeah, I know. Um, I think. Those would be close games. I wouldn't pick the Titans in it, but I wouldn't be surprised if they win. I'd be kind it's of just if they're healthy. They'd have they, to beat the Chiefs a second time. If they're healthy, they can do it. But it's not just health, though. It's also continuity and yeah. chemistry. They just, they're just not clicking. That defense, they're clicking right now. And their defense is flying all over the place. They're going to get Bud Dupree and Chris Jackson back. That's going to be huge. And even their defense, they've dealt with injuries like Caleb Farley. Christian Fulton was out for a couple of weeks, but now he's back and playing phenomenal. Their defense is rolling. They just need their offense to start rolling with them, and, and they can be legit. But chemistry matters. Continuity matters. So we'll see how all these guys come back because we got to see how AJ comes back. We got to see how Derrick Henry comes back. Hopefully, Julio regains his Pro Bowl form. There are a lot of things. There are a lot of moving parts with the Titans right now, and their offensive line is just it's bad. There's no other way around it. I feel like that's the biggest issue I have with it. Their, their offensive line is really bad, and the way that the Chiefs' defensive line has been playing, the way that the Patriots' yeah. defense as a whole has been playing, Colts I just get after the quarterback. 100%. Too. Colts, I'm... Re- they're my sleeper team for Me the too, bowl, bro. Man. I told they, you they two really weeks ago. I put, bread, I put a little bit of bread on them. I've, I've been lacking. I need to get on that. Yeah. That being said, it just scares me personally. I, I love the talent on the squad, no doubt about it. I th- they yeah, have I mean, as much star potential as the next team, but because I'm looking at like the AFC, like what teams are you taking them? Over? Like I can't. I don't know really a clear team other than Baltimore and like the Browns. I don't know if there's any team that are like clearly above them. Like I think the Chargers. I'd probably take the Chargers over the Titans. Patriots, Chiefs, yes. Bills, yes. Those like, are all close games. They're close, but I don't know if they're that close. Because like you said, I have to see them get back. I have to see AJ be able to stay on the field, which he really hasn't been able to do this year outside of a couple weeks. Julio, same thing. Is Derrick Henry going to be 100%? Can he take 25-plus carries multiple weeks in a row, week 18 and into the playoffs? Titans could beat the Bills. Titans probably could 
beat the Chargers if Derrick Henry's there, given the fact that the Chargers' rush defense is spotty. I still think I'm taking. I like both of those teams. They more. could beat the Ravens, no doubt. Ravens, no, yeah, because of injuries. What? No, you don't. I don't what? You don't like those teams over the Titans. I do. No. The way I look at it right now, with these injuries they're dealing with, having to step back, I don't. I don't like the idea of you have to figure it out the first <laughs> week of the playoffs. I feel like you're lying. I'm not. Believe it or not. I don't believe you, you. Do you like that idea of first week of the playoffs having to figure all out? Now we got to figure it out. Maybe you have a week of practice. Maybe Henry practices two days. Maybe AJ Brown practices one day. Maybe Julio practices one day. You got to figure it out that Sunday on national television in the playoffs. Now we got to figure it out. I don't like that. That he scares did, me. He just did all that, and I still don't believe you. I, I mean, now I, I'm playing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever? Uh, have you seen? I saw this tweet the other day about how. Gets in these goofy moods sometimes. Oh no, no it, doubt. It, it cracks oh, me I've up. Come, I'm not gonna I've, lie. I've grown accustomed to it. Yeah. I know what. Like right there, I knew he was <laughs> yeah, just I kidding. Know, I know. You know, I was looking at this tweet the other day, and it was um, they were talking about people who ask you questions that are like random as hell. <laughs> yeah. Like, yo, Drew, what would you do if somebody just came in here and smacked the shit out of yeah, you? Nah, land? I saw that too. It might have been, was it a TikTok? <laughs> I think it was a TikTok. Yo, that, yeah, I think yeah, it was. That was I did see that too. That was funny as hell. To answer your question, that shit is I'd funny have no choice hell. but to follow them. <laughs> that shit is funny as hell yeah, because I've really, I'll be doing that, bro. Like, you be asking people that you're saying? Random yeah. questions. Just, I, I, just, I, like, do, I don't do it like shit. all the time, but like there'll be some times where I just like, yo, what did you eat for breakfast last Thursday? It was like, we could be eating a plate of food right now, and I'd be like, what would you do if somebody just came in here, took your eggs, ate it in front of you, and Smashed just in the face. walked out? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't fucking know, bro. Like, <laughs> be mad. Very. Yeah. You mentioned that the Colts are your, are your sleeper team to go to the Super Bowl. Joel mentioned, hey, you should have probably placed a bet on them. Well, if you do place a bet on them, you can Only use one spot. DraftKings. And football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game. The Colts can be in all those games because they have a rushing attack and a passing attack. If you bet just $1 on any team to score, you can win $100 in free bets. If Sportsbook isn't an option or it's not available in your state yet, you can still get it on NFL action with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. You can play for huge cash prizes, and DraftKings is giving customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet $1 on any team to score and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Now, we have to talk about some bets this week. Let's do it. We can't, we can't, after promoting DraftKings, we can't just go on to next. We got to talk about some bets. Let me open up DraftKings. I put a couple in today. So I, I told you guys, I want you guys to give me your upset of the week this week. So what's your upset of the week for this, for week 15 for of the NFL? Fo- for football, really? All right. We're going to spoil some pickums. I was going to say, I got to open my DraftKings account. I put, in, I put in a few bets already. I was going to say, I was looking at the bets for tomorrow night's game. I have I have a couple bets for tomorrow's night really? game. You want to hear them? Yeah, let me hear that. I have actually. right now the lines might change from when you hear this. I have Daryl Williams over eighteen and a half reception uh, receiving yards, and I have Kelsey over sixty six and a half receiving yards. I'll tell you what, my upset of the week is probably going to be the Colts. I do think that Colts are playing great football, and as good as the Patriots have been, both sides of the football, I just think that the Colts need this win. They're going to come out hungrier at home. I thought the at- Colts were favored. 
Nah, they're my. Uh, they are. They're Colts are minus two and a half. Well, say less. Excuse me. Let me. Let me take. I, it. I actually, that's I my say, upset. I, I think the, the I'm picking the Patriots to Ooh, beat the Colts. I didn't even that's see my this upset line. of the week. Damn, uh, yeah, I didn't plus, even see I, this I, line. Bro, I genuinely thought last I checked, the plus Colts were not favorites. Money line. Interesting. I'm taking the Patriots. I think that's a save. I also took Jonathan Taylor over ninety three and a half. That I do think I like that a lot. Patriots run defense is very isn't very good. That I know. Can definitely happen. Yeah. It's just the Patriots get up early. You know, I mean Vegas doesn't think so. Vegas Dude, thinks that Patriots. Washington's plus seven against, against the Eagles. Oh, oh, yeah, that is very intriguing. Plus seven just to cover. They don't need to win. Yeah. They just need to not lose by seven or more. Correct. That's very intriguing to me. The Broncos are favored by minus one and a half over the Bengals. We're favored. Bang, I'm Broncos are home then, I'm assuming. Yeah, minus two and a half at home. My my two upsets, Patriots over Colts and Bengals over the Broncos. I like the Patriots. And um, my lock of the week is a Cardinals over the Lions. It's, you know, it's a lock. Here he goes. It's my lock. Yeah, I like the Patriots to be an upset team, and I like Washington to be a fo- uh, obvious, uh, yeah, an upset say. team. A divisional game, seven points seems like a lot. I think that line should be like three or four. I think it should be like plus three or four Washington. I like seven. Washington plus seven. I like New Orleans plus 11 against the Buccaneers. Plus 11 in a division game. That is a lot of points. Lock of the week, Rams minus four and a half. They're they're catching fire now. They're getting hot. They're going to blow out the Seahawks. My lock. Lock of the week? Lock of the week. Lock it up. I'm not taking no 11-point spread. <laughs> Dolphins. Come on. <laughs> Dolphins. That's the lock. They, these guys like big spreads. I'll give you a little something easy yeah. to chew on. Four and a half. That being said, I was hey, mentioning yo, I was, <laughs> I was mentioning it last last be, episode about last football episode about what I like to do in terms of betting my player props specifically for tomorrow going against the Chargers rush defense it's not the best I've been preaching like Clyde? it Clyde's ru- ru- what's, what's his, his over under right now for attempts is minus 12 and a half wait I'm sorry his attempts 12 and a half I'm that's right I'm okay. sorry yes we're getting all caught up in this yeah. press I'm getting all jumbled up in my brain 12 and a half attempts mm, interesting I love that and his that's, rushing yards is 50 57 57 and a half. Clyde? So you're taking the over on both. I would take the over on both. We're we're big over guys. I almost oh, yeah, I mean, take the under. Personally, you couldn't pay me to take the under. It's just yeah. not enjoyable Life, to root against short. someone. Correct. Clyde, uh, last few weeks, he's had, since coming back from injury, 12 carries, 14 carries, true. 10 right. carries, 63 yards, 54 yards, 37 yards. If you so, pick I mean, the under, three. you have to root against and, somebody. And the last time he played the Chargers, he had 17 attempts, would be four more over than what the... Uh, the line is the line is right now, and he had a hundred yards flat. He's, he's not playing as many snaps like against the Chargers in Week Three. He played sixty-two percent of snaps. The last few weeks, he played forty-seven against Dallas, fifty-one against Denver, and then thirty-five percent of snaps against Vegas. But they were blowing them out early. No way, way, bro. That's crazy, crazy, crazy as hell. You got the stats. He's a PFF guy. It's my guy right I Got there sleeper open, team. man. If you guys aren't, nah, we need we need the sleeper sponsorship. I know that's really. It's hard though because a sleeper. We got, what do you mean? It's fantasy. Sleep. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, a, it's an. But amazing. they also have betting now. It's not legal in Jersey, which yeah, sucks. It but. does suck. That being said, I understand where football, specifically NFL. That being said, sleeper, sleeper. If sleeper, if you want to, we love to you talk guys. About you. On the or, show. or give us some cookies. I'll send you the username. Send some cookies. <laughs> Yo, Let me get a mascot, funny. bro. <laughs> Yo, they tax. They do. Like I don't know how. I don't know how you get cookies. It's do you random. Know? Not I a thought you like. It you would make win sense. Or something. No, because like obviously in our dying, so they got have ten wins, and my my cookies don't go up. I'm only in two leagues on sleeper though. I don't use. I'm. I thought because like five. I thought sleeper? it was. Yeah, I'm on like four. I thought if you would win or like 
as the weeks go on, I have no idea how you get cookies other than paying for them. But yeah. every once in a while, like I'll be like, oh, I just got 20 cookies last week. How'd that happen? Again, you couldn't pay me unless you're sleeper to spend money on the cookies for a mascot. Yeah. That's all you're getting. Some of the mascots. Why do you tough, need though. the cookies though? You get it's uh, like they're a currency. Yeah, but you just get like mass. It's not like it's obviously. It's fancy, funny so. more than anything. Yeah. It's like whenever you do something nice, your mascot does something to the other team's mascot. Yeah. That's the if only If you cool don't know, thing. man, Sleeper, especially if you're in Dynasty Leagues, the best platform by far it, for Dynasty Leagues. It's pretty good. Oh, Dynasty, Dynasty it's not most close. important leagues. Yes. You're in four or five leagues? Just on Sleeper. <laughs> I am on. I was in seven I'm not there. Yeah, they're not How many old. leagues are you in in total? In total? The thing is, like, I joined, like, I have a work league. I have, seven, like, bro? are you in seven? I, I low key might be. But, like, leagues I made that, like, in five. leagues that, like, I genuinely care about. It's like three, two or three. And then I have like some leagues that like, oh, like I have some miscellaneous friends I want to get one. Or like we have some with like our younger friends who kind of watch football, kind of not have a work league that I don't really pay attention to. But like leagues I really care about, it's really just like two or three. You I guys wish. told me that you guys redraft every year. We have a dynasty league. So you keep that team year after year. But we also do a redraft league where a new team every the year. The dynasty has just taken a whole new level to the game for all of us yeah. personally. Because like, that brings college players into it. Like that brings, that's why like I love, like I'm so early on like the wide receivers and running backs and quarterbacks each year because bastard. like I'm just looking at like, okay, who's coming up in this rookie draft? Because the 2023 class, that class is going to be special. There's some elite running backs coming out some really good wide receivers and a allegedly. couple really good quarterbacks allegedly there's gonna be three elite running backs at least but i'll tell you Bijan, what tank fantasy Ohio state trayvon henderson bro there's gonna be some slowly dogs. but surely we gotta we gotta incorporate uh, incorporate you into it get you on that that exact same i'm wave. trying to be on it in the dynasty league yo oh we, we, could, could, we, we gotta do a pick e- a side dynasty we could easily we gotta do, do a pick that. Aside but we gotta get people that are gonna actually do a legit because we did the pick a side fantasy football league and there was a trade that was like dk derrick henry another player for like a ham sandwich what happened to the veto oh what do you think i did oh nice. i'm the league manager oh, of nice, course nice. i had to take control of that. How, how are you guys doing that league how are we doing, Joel? Would you like to tell him? The what? <laughs> the biggest side league. league. How are we doing? Like, how is, are you guys like, in the playoffs? Yeah. Oh, like, I'm in the playoffs, yeah. Oh, nice. Hey, King. Now, nah, he beat me, but... He's uh, not. Okay. I, didn't, I didn't even say... He's this. out. No, you, you're I'm out. in the playoffs? You're out. No way, man. Yeah, man. How? <laughs> Surge, Bro, it's Wednesday. Surge, Surge, uh, Surge was a three seed. He had a higher record than you. There was one dude... I want to say it was the guy whose name is Trevor Lawrence is the GOAT. He actually kicked Joel out because I beat Joel pretty badly, unfortunately. Happens. And yeah, he's out. Bro, I had mad injuries this he week. He did. Bro. He did. I can't even say like he his kicker was on by. That's kinda on him. No, it I'm said it said by. that round one, week one of two. Yeah. It's a two week play. No, it's a two week play. Who are you playing? So does he have a shot goal. this week? I'm yeah, eight and that's six. Exactly, you know, the playoffs. In. That's now no, you're in the you're in the, oh, consolation he's in the consolation bracket. No way. I'm playing Surge. There's this guy's name. He's Raiders 2022 champ, something like that. His team's mad. So good. only four teams make the playoffs? Only four teams. Mm, Damn, I'm tough. the fifth seed, bro. Oh, you hate to see that. Bro, yeah. three teams have what, an what eight and the winner six get? They got to get some free merch or something, maybe. Listen, I'm 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 holding You're it down for it? the pick a side crew. Good I'm looks, the only bro. one good that looks. really... I'll give it to Joel. Joel said his lineup week in, week out. Nice. Riv was a lost cause. Yeah, I mean... I'm sick about it. We needed him to do well. He had a uh, team... He had Josh Allen. Yo, he drafted Josh Allen before Mahomes. That was crazy. Was Josh Allen's been better, though. Low key. For fantasy, yeah. yeah I mean, Mahomes is like QB 10 or something. I'm actually like starting Tua this week. Over Mahomes? No, I have oh, in general, two weeks. Yeah, no, two, uh, two QB league. Uh, Tua and. I'm starting Tua and Mahomes. Nice. Lamar. Mm, that's tough. Gonna have to ride the pine. Yeah, even because if he's banged up against Green Bay's defense, I, I don't love that. Yo, did Jair play last weekend? No. I thought he was off the IR. They didn't. You could, you could designate him to return. That means he has three weeks to uh, practice okay. and play. 
No, but listen, I'm holding it down for the pick a side crew. Nice, bro. I so, need all my cheerleaders. Talking Drew Pies. Drew Pies. Oh, oh, I thought it was Drew Pies. That's bro, what I was like, hey, come yo. on. Groupies. Droopies. Ah, yeah, come you on. came up with that name? No, I didn't. It was a hashtag in yeah, that video, right? Yeah. That oh, video was <laughs> something. That video is goaded. Yo, that you really don't know who made that, bro? Not a clue. Bro, that is crazy. That is mad funny. That is funny. If you guys don't know, someone made a TikTok for Drew, like with this like music saying how much like I like boys or something. It was it was mad weird. It was funny as hell. Weird. It was awesome. I, I love every second. I guess, of it. I guess it depends how you look at it, but if he likes it, fuck it. Oh man. How could I not? A fan cam? It was hilarious. It wasn't yeah. weird. It was hilarious, it was, honestly. Yo, they got old pictures of me. They got new pictures. Yeah, they had of a picture me. of me no, like that. that, that that's on, like, what Facebook. I found. That, like, that's why I thought it it was it was somebody you knew because bro, the, it was like went, IG pics. Like he no, digged into your Facebook, your yeah, well, everything. Some of your bro. mom put up probably. Like I, I guess I gotta go private some things on Facebook because I couldn't tell you the last time I was on there. Yeah, no funny. Didn't I mean, he I never use a picture of you, Joel and Geo in that in that video? I think he did. did. That would be funny. That'd be pretty. That I was would, I was in one of them. I a lot know. of them are on my IG also. Yeah. I, yeah. Is your IG private or public still? I just made mine public. I'm pretty sure I, mine's public. I've been getting follow requests. And I don't feel like going through all of them. Which, hey, listen. Yeah. Take that. That being said. That was a nice dab. Loved it. Did you, did you hear the sound? No, I didn't. Oh. That Dak, was a nice dab. That would be proud. That was a nice dab. That was wild, bro. bro. That was wild. There, some per, some people dab better than others, bro. I, I know. know what you mean. It was just Dak and Staff. Yeah, just, that's today. I don't know. Would you rather want to get dapped up by Dak or Matthew Stafford, bro? Uh, that's so tough. Dak definitely has more swag. Dak, Dak is, he's Dak. Yeah. Stafford gives a great Staff, handshake. You know, yo, shout out to him. That's Stafford my... gives a great handshake. I think I Stafford really gives a... So I don't even know. Honestly, I think Dak Prescott might give a better a better business handshake than Matthew Stafford. He is that very... Also, yes. I agree with that also. He's very, I think like, Stafford's um, like more biz- of like... He looks a business kind I think of guy. Stafford's more of like a pound guy. A pound and yes. peace guy. Like, hey, bro, yes, later, man. yes, for sure. Yeah. I agree. Stafford... See you later, man. Yeah, I feel like Dak too. He gets a nice shape up. You know he what looks I good think, in a suit. You know what I'm going on right now. What, what, bro? Like, you know what I think Stafford is, bro. I think Stafford is like when you make a great play, he'll like smack your hand hard as hell, and it it'll hurt. It'll hurt. More. Yeah, not a dab. You no, know, I think I think Dak just like he'll. I don't know. I think he'll probably soothe it in a little bit, not make it so tough on the hand. He'll glide it in. You're saying yeah. like it'll make it nice. Yeah. Yeah. Word. 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 Like just a a nice dab. Yes, a hundred percent, bro. Locked in. Yes, locked I, in. I couldn't bro. agree more. Locked in. He'll glide it in. Unbelievable. Talking about bets, give me your bet on Urban Meyer not being the coach Ooh. in Jacksonville minus next ten thousand that he's not the coach. Correct. Yeah, Urban Meyer sucks. It would be very very wild if they did bring him back, especially with the fact that he's messing with. Arguably their best and most efficient offensive player in James Robinson. Their most important draft pick of all time. Oh, arguably the the most highly touted prospect outside of Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning, Trevor Lawrence. In LA. LA's another one, definitely. His input had some kind of influence on Urban Meyer where he said, hey, what's going on with James Robinson? We need to start getting the ball. And that's when Urban Meyer got James Robinson back in the game. But... There was moments where he didn't even know the personnel that was on the field. Someone asked him, like, what are you going to do with getting uh, the, getting this guy minutes? And he said that, oh, no, he definitely had an impact. And he logged zero attempts on the field or yeah. zero, zero snaps on the field. So the, the exact quote was that Urban Meyer was asked about, say, the Andre Cisco about playing more. And he said Cisco is playing a little more, I believe. I don't have his numbers in front of me. And Cisco played zero defensive snaps that game. It's just embarrassing. 
As a head coach, you need to be on top of these things. Did Urban Meyer ruin Trevor Lawrence's rookie season? Should he be fired after the season? Drew, you gave some of your thoughts on it. I know you came in here talking about a report with Josh Lambeau and how Urban Meyer kicked him. Yeah. So what do you think about this? Yeah, this was, it was funny. I was going back actually just through our notes and we had this debate months ago, honestly. It was like when I was just doing a guest, like, in one-off, uh, like a one-off appearance that I came on. And one of the questions was, will Urban Meyer be the head coach next year? And in those notes, I was like, no, I think he's been a complete failure. And six weeks later, however long later, it's been an even bigger failure. I mean, it's one thing if you can't coach. Adam Gase can't coach. He's a terrible coach. But Urban Meyer is a distraction to the team. The players don't respect him. He's undisciplined. He's irresponsible. Like all of these adjectives you want to throw out there to make you a bad, we're not talking about bad coach. This is a bad person. You know, in terms of like the players don't respect him. He's doing, there's this report from Tom Palacero that came out. So there, there was three things that really stood out. The first one was with Marvin Jones, a veteran, respected player. He's been in this league for multiple seasons. He got so heated after an argument with Urban Meyer that he left the facility and other staff members, not Urban, called him and said, yo, my bad. Other staff members had to come in to Marvin Jones, call him on the phone, whatever they did, text him, be like, yo, come back in. Let's figure this out. It was also reported that Meyer delivered a message that he's a winner and all of his assistant coaches are losers. And he put these assistant coaches on the spot and made them defend their resume and asked them, what did they win? I get it, Urban Meyer. You were a winner in college. Nobody cares. Win in the NFL because you're not winning right now. And then we also, the James Robinson situation where he said he had nothing to do with this benching. He goes after, you know, after the game, oh, I had nothing to do with it. It comes out later that he had the running back coach stop James. Robinson was about to go back in. He told the running back coach, make sure James Robinson doesn't enter this game. It wasn't until Trevor Lawrence came up into Urban Meyer and said, yo, you got to get James Robinson in this game. I mean, it's the Jacksonville Jaguars. They're not that talented at offense. James Robinson's their best weapon. And, you know, that's just his personality, you know, like his mindset, his coaching. It's, it's not there. He can't coach grown men. I think that's pretty apparent. But, I mean, this was, we saw this early on. It started with him hiring Chris Doyle, the strength and conditioning coach, who was accused of bullying and racism in college, and then drafted ETN in the first round, even though they had James Robinson, who had a historic rookie season for an undrafted player, and they had holes literally everywhere across the team, and they still went and drafted ETN. And then the whole Tim Tebow experiment, which everyone knew was going to fail. Why are you bringing Tebow in? He's not going to be a backup. He's not a special teams guy. He's not a practice squad guy. You just brought him in, and he was just a distraction to the team. And then lastly... The game against Cincinnati on Thursday Night Football. He doesn't fly home with the team. Instead, he goes to some bar and he's he's uh, pictured or video recorded of some random girl grinding on him while he has a wife. These are grown men. These are 53 grown men. These are, you know, 30 coaches. You have executives, GMs, presidents of these teams. You're getting paid millions of dollars. His organization's worth a billion dollars. You've been a joke. Urban Meyer is going to be fired. He should be fired. He should never coach in the NFL again. Yeah, I look at Jacksonville and... We all know they're dysfunctional. When I look at Urban Meyer, the transition from college to the NFL has not worked out. The same thing we're seeing with Matt Rule. And it's quite ironic that Matt Rule and Urban Meyer, who had a lot of success in college, come to the NFL and they're not very good. On the flip side, Cliff Kingsbury, who was knocked for not having success in college, comes into the NFL and has been great. He's in the running for coach of the year this year. After after Jacksonville's loss to Tennessee, he was asked, Urban Meyer was asked about the game the previous week, about the Rams and the game plan and how it was different coming into this week. 
Urban Meyer didn't even know he played the Rams. I mean, that's just a week ago. And you don't even know the team that, that you played. It's lost. The Jaguars are the only bright spot is really their defense. They're 21st in yards. They're, they, haven't, they haven't been abysmal and 27th in points. Urban Meyer needs to go because of all those things you mentioned. But most importantly, he has to go because Trevor Lawrence has been regressing as the season has been progressing. You look at Lawrence, he has only thrown one touchdown since November 7th. He has he had four interceptions in one game against Tennessee. If Trevor Lawrence was having an outstanding rookie season, Urban Meyer's job is safe. All these stories, they don't matter as long as Trevor is succeeding. But because he's not, this matters. And it matters a whole ton. He's on a six-year, $60 million contract. The way the cons operate, ShotCon, Gus Bradley, Doug Marone, they were in Jacksonville for four years. They had seasons where they were bad, but they didn't pull the trigger until the fourth season. Khan has said that we're going to do what's, what's right for the team. Who knows if they're going to fire Urban Meyer or not based on this team's history and the owner's history. Four years is what they give every coach. We'll see if that's an exception for Urban Meyer and he gets fired before. But to this point, that's been it. What I want the Jaguars to do is I want them to go out and get Jim Caldwell. I think with Detroit, he was great for them. He's a great defensive mind. He's going to bring culture to the Jaguars. And I think he'd be a great head coach for them. I think Urban Meyer should be done from Jacksonville, though. I think all these reports are alarming, even if they're not true, like Urban Meyer likes to say they're not the fact that somebody is willing to go out and risk their job to report it is alarming. He needs to be gone from Jacksonville. Yeah. This isn't in Tom Pelissero. This isn't some random beat report. Like this is one of the biggest national reporters in the NFL. And while I agree, the cons do usually give four years for their coaches, especially when they play poorly. I think this is a very unique circumstance because when you're, you know, disrespecting the organization and you have bad press out there it seems like every month every week something new comes out about urban meyer in jacksonville i can't i don't see a way you could keep him and retain him for another year and have to deal with all of this nonsense again there's just been no bright spot on this team like you said outside of defense and that's even still loose you know what i'm saying i say that very loosely you mentioned a little bit about the draft. You, you take Travis Etienne with that first pick. You know, you you could definitely use a little bit of O line help. You definitely could use some help defensively on that Everywhere. defensive end. Literally, receiver. legitimately, ev- receiver, <laughs> especially. And I feel like maybe that's the only thing that I'll give him leeway on. That Etienne has that ability to be a pass catcher. Obviously, him and Trevor did have some connection in college. They both went to Clemson. They both had success together. I understand that aspect of it. But you just had James Robinson, like you mentioned, who had a, a one of the greatest. Undrafted seasons an undrafted player has ever had in their first year in the league the only one i can remember off the top of my head well terrell davis i want to say was undrafted also um that could be wrong and, and i sound like a terrible bronco fan but philip Lindsay was another one that he rushed for over a thousand yards and he was undrafted too um but james robinson he was undrafted. Six, uh six round pick. ah close very but still he got drafted uh, but James Robinson, undrafted, he's shown that he could be that guy when you give him the opportunity. And, and up until this point, you're messing with his confidence. You bring in a guy in the first round to to prove to almost to a degree you needed a running back. And then now you're benching him for Carlos Hyde, who has been on multiple teams over these last couple of years. And 
all because of one fumble in a game where you're already getting smoked by. And and also, let me give credit to James Robinson. He got tackled by Aaron Donald and fumbled that ball. Like, if there was anyone that I'm getting tackled by and and, and just, hey, it's, it's Aaron Donald. What am I going to do? It's that kind of moment right there. He has done nothing to help these guys, especially how Joel said it too. Trevor Lawrence is the most integral part of this organization for years to come. At least that's what they're hoping. I'm sure no one wanted to see Trevor have a 9-14 to touchdown to interception ratio. That's absolutely the dead last thing they wanted. They expected him to have the Mac Jones type season. And Trevor, Trevor Lawrence does have some decent yardage, but... Nothing to put forward to in terms of touchdowns. And that's ultimately what you're looking for out of a rookie. You want to see, especially a guy of, of Trevor Lawrence caliber, or at least expectations of what Trevor Lawrence is supposed to be, you want to see him shine. And we haven't seen any of that from the Jaguars, other than a few mo- a few pieces on defense, Josh Allen, obviously. But other than that, there's nothing I really can ride home about the Jaguars. Urban Meyer has done a very poor job of developing these guys, giving them any type of confidence. And it's it's inevitable that he's gone. Uh, there's actually another report, actually. Jerome Baker, middle linebacker for Miami. for Miami. He came out and tweeted, karma's finally coming back at him. So I wonder if maybe he was already doing was he, shady things like this. He was a Buckeye, yes, okay, in college. Um, I wonder if he was doing shady things in Ohio State. If he State, was doing maybe. it in Jacksonville, I mean, you could get a, away with a lot more in college when you're the face of the whole program. You know, it's different in the NFL. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised by it, but... When you're a coach, you're going to get disliked by some players. You know, maybe Jerome Baker, maybe Urban Meyer didn't favor Jerome Baker, and that's why they got this relationship. You know, who knows? Because Alex Smith, who was Urban Meyer's quarterback at Utah when he was coaching there, he he loves Urban Urban Meyer as a person. So you're going to get different answers from different people. The Jaguars right now, Trevor Lawrence is their prized possession, and you can say the same thing for the Jets with Zach Wilson, the Bears with Justin Fields, the 49ers with Trey Lance, and the Patriots with Mac Jones. But these rookie quarterbacks haven't been too good this season. They have been bad. A lot of them rank at the bottom of the NFL in a lot of key passing stats. Now, what do you take away from these quarterbacks performing poorly outside of Mac Jones? Because we know Mac Jones has been really good this season. But Trevor Lawrence... Zach Wilson, Fields, Davis Mills, Lance. What do you think about them so far? And what do you think? What do you, what are your thoughts on them moving forward? Life's all about expectations. You know, you go into things, maybe you're going out a day with a girl. You think she's, you know, she's a 10 out of 10. She's perfect. You think things are going to go great. You go there. You can't talk to her. She has no personality. She doesn't laugh. She doesn't crack any jokes. But your expectations going in, you're like, this is going to be a great night. This is the same thing for the NFL and football. It's about your expectation for what you have for these quarterbacks. For one, for Trevor Lawrence, well, let's get it out of the way first. Mac Jones, best rookie quarterback so far. Trey Lance hasn't done anything. He played one game and started, had a few, you know, packages early in the season, but those two I kind of throw out. The number one prize possession was Trevor Lawrence. Everyone's expectation for him coming into this year was he's, you know, he was the favorite for rookie of the year. He was the biggest draft pick or draft prospect since Andrew Luck. Everyone thought he was going to be the next Mahomes, the next Herbert, whatever you might say. I kind of give him an incomplete grade. I know we talked off air. You said a bad throw is a bad throw. He's made some bad decisions. But I just see the chaos he has to deal with. With this Urban Meyer situation, I think they have one of the worst coaching staffs in the league. I think they have some of the worst weapons in the league. James Robinson is good. 
Uh, LaVisca Chanel, I thought, would take another step this year. That didn't happen. Jamal Agnew had some moments here and there. But, like, you, you hear the names I'm saying, right? He has probably bottom five weapons in the league. Marvin so, Jones? Marvin Jones is a nice piece. That's fair, for sure. But I, I still look like you don't have a number one. I don't even think if I really love Marvin Jones as a number two. I think he's a great three and a low end two. LaVisca was supposed to take that leap this year. I agree. It didn't happen. Part well, of DJ that. DJ Chark was not supposed to get hurt. That's DJ too. Chark. Yeah, but he has six drops Like too. I said, you have all of this chaos around you. So for Trevor Lawrence, the prize possession in the draft, I'm giving him a bit of an incomplete grade. I need to see next year, possibly with a new coaching staff, get some you know competent people around him, some good pieces. Then we can evaluate him because... My stance on Trevor Lawrence hasn't changed. I don't really care what happened this year. If he was, you know, amazing Patrick Mahomes or he was as bad as he looks now, I still think he's going to be an all-pro type quarterback. Now you look at Zach Wilson. A lot of people, myself included, weren't 100% sold on the BYU product, right? We saw Justin Fields playing all these big games at Ohio State, especially his last season there, made some ridiculous throws against Bama. Um... But some of it, whether you didn't believe in his, you know, the um, competition he played against at BYU, his size, he only had one elite year, whatever the case might be. My biggest issue with Zach Wilson was, can the Jets finally get it right, put a good coaching staff around him, put good pieces around him? That's still a bit TBD. I like Joe Douglas. (laughs) I love Matt. I think Matt LaFleur is a really good offensive coordinator. I think we struck gold there. I think he's going to be our offense coordinator for the next coming years. Salah someone that I'm not 100% sold on. I don't know how you're a defensive guy. You come in, the defense gets dramatically worse. The entire defense as a whole, running, passing, getting after the quarterback, we're the worst defense in the league. But they have the weapons, right? You have Elijah, uh, Elijah Moore, who has potential wide receiver one written all over him. I'm higher on Michael Carter than you, but I think he could be a starting running back. Corey Davis is really solid. Keelan Cole, Jameson Crowder, solid veterans. And Zach's had some really good moments, like against Tennessee, that three or four touchdown game, had a ridiculous throw uh, to Corey Davis. So... Zach's been about what I expected. He's had some bad games. The one that sticks out is against New England, but he's been about what I expected. A bit of a roller coaster, has his up and downs, but as long as I see those flashes, I'll have something, you know, to really hold my hat on. Then Justin Fields, kind of similar to Zach Wilson. Not a ton of people had faith because of kind of the way the Bears organization has been run the last few years. They didn't really, weren't really able to elevate Mitch Trubisky, whether that was because he wasn't deserving of the number two overall pick or just because, you know, they haven't been able to, to figure it out overall because they didn't elevate Mitch. And even before that, I mean, Jay Cutler, like they had, it has been a while since they really had a franchise quarterback. And I've seen progress with Fields over the past two games. I think his best game was against Pittsburgh. He had over 330 total yards. He was aggressive and pushed the ball down the field, regardless of pressure in his face. He averaged 10.3 yards per attempt while under pressure and 9.3 yards per attempt with the clean pocket against that Pittsburgh game. He also had a PFF passing grade of 88.5, which was the highest of that week. After that game, he got hurt in his next one. Um, he missed a few games. I believe they had a bye as well. But then this past week against the Packers, I know the stats don't say it all because they had a, re- a couple really long touchdowns. They had a punt return touchdown. But you still, there. he was going toe for toe with Rodgers there for a little bit. I no, think he, he was, was not. I think he was, standing, he was standing strong in the pocket. He was making some good throws, good decisions. I saw earlier in the year, he was very indecisive. He would move out of the pocket too quick. I saw a lot of progress against that Steelers game and against the Packers. Obviously, he's not Aaron Rodgers. That's fine. He's a rookie. This is like he his, wasn't going toe to toe. This with is him. like his fifth game starting. They were, but they were in that game and they were winning up until like the third, fourth quarter. Yeah, it came away. The Packers are the better team. I expect them to win. But listen, he showed me enough in that Steelers game and against these Packers game. He showed a ton of progress to me from those first few, few games till now. They were in that game because Jakeem Grant took a touchdown on a punt, yeah. a ninety-plus yard punt return touchdown, and then got a sw- got a running play, which counted as a pass, and took it 
like 47 yards. Yeah. Jakeem Grant's an explosive okay, player. Justin Fields did not go toe-to-toe with Rodgers, not even for a second in that game. In fine. the first toe, half, in the first half, fine. Justin Fields toe, did sure. his thing. Toe-to-toe is not the right thing in the first half. Toe-to-toe is not the right phrase to use. Regardless, tell me another time where the Bears have played the Packers the last 20 years and they, there's been very few times where they've been winning games or end games. I've seen a ton more blowouts from the from the Packers to the Bears and the Bears actually it being in games. It was close when the Jay, Cutler, the Jay Cutler era, they had some close and games. And still, the Packers are what, like, I think the Rodgers is like 28-5 and five against them. All right. I'm not here to discuss the Bears versus Packers. I'm just... I did well, not okay. see a moment where he went toe to toe with Rodgers. In the first, in the first in the half, half they really were good. they would look good. No, he was clicking on all cylinders. Second half, they came in and they absolutely clamped up, as they should. The Packers yeah. were the better team. No but Justin Fields has showed me a lot of progress. Beginning of the season, I was talking to Drew earlier before um, before we hit record. There was times he didn't look like he belonged on the field. There was he was getting remember those that game against the Browns. He got sacked what like eight times or yep. something. Like it just looked abysmal. I've seen a ton of progress from you know earlier week four or five in the season to now. I'm going to hone in on the top guys. I'll start out with Trey Lance because Trey Lance, you haven't seen much of him. I don't have, you know, a lot a lot to say about him. Trey Lance, I just think throws the ball way too hard. That That's really it. I, I think I haven't seen him in a while, so I don't know how he's going to look once he comes back. But with Shanahan, I trust Trey Lance. Davis Mills, he's been average. And I think he, I think the situation in Houston is better than people give them credit for. Pep Hamilton right now is their quarterback coach. They have a defensive coordinator in Lovey Smith, who used to be a head coach, a successful head coach. They they got a pretty good coach there. I think Davis Mills has been fine. Let me start with Zach Wills. Let me start with Trevor Lawrence, actually. Trevor Lawrence was the first overall pick. He hasn't had a game this year where he's thrown two touchdowns or more. Not not once. I could list off stats, but I think stats in this case are very misleading because they are just rookies, and sometimes they give you some context, but sometimes they don't. Trevor Lawrence inherited a horrible situation. That's what happens when you are the first overall pick. But when I see Trevor Lawrence right now play, I think his main issue is decision-making. I just don't think he reads defenses at a high enough level, at least what he was sold out to be. They said he was Andrew Luck. They said he was Peyton Manning. They said he was John Elway. Well, in terms of being polished out of college, when I saw Trevor Lawrence in Clemson, I thought he was somebody who benefited a lot from a simple offense and from a lot of talent on his team. In the NFL, it's this is how it's going to look his rookie year. You know, I think he has a lot of talent. He's like 6'6". He has a rocket of an arm. He'll be fine. But right now, decision-making is what I think is plaguing him the most. And it shows. Not touchdowns to 14 picks, completing 58% of his passes. He's 28th in QBR. Now, on to Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson's completing 56% of his passes. He has six touchdowns, 211 picks. He has a 32nd. Uh, he has, he's 32nd in QBR. His worst game of the year, these two moments stand out. Versus the Patriots. Four interceptions, that was bad. Then this past week versus the Saints, he completed under 50% of his passes. There were about four drops in that game. It, probably even more. I counted like five, six drops Ty Johnson in that might game. have five alone. <laughs> he, he had a bad game. If you count those drops, if you count those drops as completions, Zach Wilson's completion percentage is around 60%. 
So it's he didn't have this awful of a game. I know there were some plays where he was throwing a flat and it hit the ground. It didn't make it. What Zach Wilson needs to work on is his feet. He needs to work on his mechanics, not really throwing the ball. He's fine there, but lower body. He needs to work on his mechanics and pushing off his right foot when making throws because right now it seems like he just kind of glides it, and that's why he's inaccurate. He also has to trust what he sees. He overthinks way too much. The reason why Zach Wilson is overthinking every throw is because the Jets thought it was a great idea to start him against the Panthers, who have a top five pass defense, the Patriots, who have the best pass defense, and the Broncos, who have a top five pass defense on back-to-back-to-back weeks. The Jets started out facing three of the top defenses in the NFL. Zach Wilson threw seven of his 11 interceptions in those three games alone. They could have eased him in to the year, and he could have played halfway through, but they didn't do that. Because he started out the season with seven interceptions, yeah, Zach Wilson is going to hesitate on these throws because it seems like whenever he throws it, it's an interception. I mean, the, these are, these are we're talking about a coach in Bill Belichick with the Patriots who every single young quarterback struggles with. And Zach had to face him his second, his second game in the NFL. I mean, I think it was just bad management by the Jets, and that's why Zach Wilson has been overthinking everything because they threw him into the fire right away. But I think he needs to clean up his mechanics, and he needs to stop overthinking throws. And then in terms of when talking about Justin Fields, I think Justin Fields' accuracy is spotty. And it was, that was an issue in college, and, and that's why for me, Zach Wilson, I'm not too worried about because Zach is missing throws that I saw him routinely make in college. I get the competition standpoint. A throw is a throw. If you made the throw in college, you can make it in the NFL. Right now, Zach is just overthinking things. In college, I saw Justin Fields overshoot a lot of balls. I saw him do that. I saw him play in an offense that was a one-read offense. So for me, I think Justin Fields right now, the thing I want Fields, I think Fields to work on the most is his throwing motion. I agree with that also. Justin Justin Fields Justin Fields has a long windup. When when Justin Fields throws the ball, his windup is more than a second long. Yeah, and that came back to haunt him versus the Packers because versus the Packers, the Rajul Douglas pick six happened because the throw was late because his windup is long. Then he got strip sacked. Preston Smith strip sacked him. It happened because his windup was long. I think if he fixes that in his game, he'll be a better quarterback. So I think that's been the problem with these quarterbacks. We can get into the numbers of how they've been performing. They've all been bad. And that's why I don't I don't get this. I don't get this back and forth banter on social media when people are trying to debate who is better between Zach Wilson and Fields and Trevor Lawrence. All you're doing is arguing about who's been Less the bad of the barrel, because exactly. they've all been bad. So when you're t- debating that for hours, you're just arguing who's been less bad. I think Zach Wilson is overthinking throws. He needs to fix his feet when throwing. Trevor Lawrence, his decision making is not too great right now. I think he still he still struggles to read defenses. And Justin Fields, his windup is just way too long. If he can if he can tighten up his motion, his throwing motion, I think he'll be fine. 
we have to stop thinking that this the these quarterbacks rookie season is the end all be all because it's not because it's just a rookie season. We've been spoiled by Herbert and Deshaun and Joe Burrow and even Mahomes in his magical season that we think these quarterbacks have to come into the NFL as finished products. That's not the case. I think they'll be fine. Maybe some of them will be a bus. Who who which they one probably is gonna will. Yeah. which one it's gonna be? I'm, be not, I'm not gonna take the at guess. Least, at least one. If you had to choose the worst one. Fields. Fields, really? And you're saying no bias in your heart. No bias. No bias. Hey. I will never pick against Zach Wilson. I understand. And and I put you in a tough situation there because unfortunately, from just watching things, I feel like you're hundred percent right. I feel like Zach Wilson did have a really great moment against Tennessee. That was the one standout moment for me where I'm like, this is the Zach Wilson that everyone saw coming into the draft process that believed in Zach Wilson, that game specifically. But then you just have the scattered mess of of just interceptions, no touchdowns. Just Some games are you just, you're looking at Zach Wilson and you just un taking it back at the fact that he was the number two overall pick, especially when Mac Jones has had the success that he has. But we're not talking about Mac Jones because Mac Jones is in an amazing situation. He went to the best situation possible for him. For the rest of these guys, I feel like I'm in a, a, a combination with you guys to a degree where I don't want to evaluate these guys because, sure, it's disappointing that they're not having the Herbert numbers of last season or even the Burrow numbers and Tua numbers of last year. N- None of these guys really are having that outside of, of Mac Jones. But it's the NFL. It, it's hard to, to to come right in and be effective right away. The only one that I can give, you know, that I can understand people giving some kind of push towards is Trevor Lawrence because Trevor Lawrence was supposed to be the next coming in Jesus Christ. They they talked about him in such high regard. So I can understand if, if people are going to give someone a hard time, let it be Trevor Lawrence. He's the number one overall pick. He was supposed to be the end-all, be-all at, at the quarterback position. But even Peyton Manning came in and and led the league in interceptions. He also set the record for most touchdowns, too. No, for sure. Listen, Peyton Manning was solid in, 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 in one aspect, but he also turned the ball over a lot. And I'm not saying, I'm not comparing Trevor Lawrence to Peyton Manning's rookie season. I'm just saying we saw it where we had this all-time great quarterback have a, 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 a such a terrible touchdown-to-interception ratio, but was still able to manage his career and get back on track. That's all I'm saying for these guys. I do believe Trevor can come back eventually next season, two seasons, and be the guy that everyone's expecting to. It's just they're in bad situations, particularly Trevor, particularly Zach Wilson. These guys are on the worst teams for a reason. They wanted to be the, the They were called to be these franchise guys for a reason. I think Trevor is in the worst situation right now. I agree yeah. with that. They're the worst coaching staff in the league. The Jets situation around it right now is just the not- Jet. The Jets situation I don't think is gonna, is bad, and it's not going to be bad for. I long. agree with that. We're an up and coming team, and it year two I think Zach's going to be okay. Year three he's going to take that jump. I think Zach needs to play loose. That's really his biggest thing right now. He's playing hero ball like he needs to do more than what he's being asked. Look at what happened when Mike White came in. Yeah. Mike White just did a job. I he, would say Zach has improved since the injury. Before the injury, he had some games where I'm like, bro, what is going on? And he does still miss the road here and I mean, there, which Zach, is fine. Zach's numbers versus, if you take out the first three games, he has four touchdowns and four interceptions on the season. But even the game so that, that you guys won he's against, average. the game you guys won against Houston, he had no touchdowns and interceptions. He had a rushing touchdown. Okay, fair enough. That being said, I want to see him. 
fair. The rushing touchdown. No, makes I agree, though. Like, yeah, like, I don't zero touchdown because four touchdowns and four interceptions in how many games? Because he we're taking out the first three. He like missed Houston's, three. So Houston's like defense five? is not that good. You no, it's they, bad. They, you had no no. no I agree. Had Fourteen. I agree. That, I didn't feel great about that. I will say this. I just think there needs to be more. There needs to be more civil discourse when talking about these rookie quarterbacks. I agree. It, it, it feels like everything is so hostile. It's, it, oh, if Zach Wilson makes a bad throw or Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence, guys are on Twitter the very next second saying, oh, this guy's a bust. This guy's that. We have to understand this. And I think this, this is a conversation that needs to be had. We have to understand this. These guys are 21, 22 years old. Some of some of these clowns on Twitter that are posting them are older than them. Yeah, these guys are 21, 22, had to adjust to living in a new city, having a new job that is a hundred times harder than the job you previously had, and they are burdened with the obligation and responsibility of carrying an entire franchise that has been dysfunctional for years. If you think this guy's not going to be good, okay, whatever. It's your opinion. But to have such hostile conversations around these guys and actively root for them to fail is kind of disgusting. It is. And that's that's where I think I draw the line in it because I can critique Justin Fields. And same thing with Tua. Like, I can critique Tua. I don't want Tua to fail so I can be right. I'd rather be wrong and him have a successful career. You know, because at the end of the day, these guys reaching their potential is better for the game yeah. because we're watching it. Yes. And if Zach reaches his potential, he's a top five quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, if he reaches potential. Listen, God willing. Top five? Like Zach, his peak? He's shorter. better than Collar. I was just say, if, oh if Fields God. could hit his peak, if all these guys could hit his peak, they'll they'll be great. I'm sorry, man. You know? See, but, and this I'll, I'll say in fairness to these guys or in fairness to, I'm going to play devil's advocate to, to a, a minor degree. We saw Burrow come in. We saw Herbert come in. We saw two, even Tua come in for, for a short period of time, have some success. Pure, uh, season before that, we saw Kyler come in, have some success. Uh, season before that, Baker, Josh, Josh, even Josh Allen, who had a terrible completion percentage, still had some success. Baker Mayfield broke Baker the record was, for, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Lamar. Lamar, another one. He came in and was winning games the season after that. I'm, we're, But we're not talking about the season after that. These guys yeah. take time. But I can understand where, you know, if I'm a, a casual fan just watching, I want to see the number one overall pick, the number two overall yeah. pick, the top, the number ten. Well, Mac Jones was, excuse me, Justin Fields was number ten, correct? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. Mac Jones yeah, was 12. fifteen, yes. was number twelve, excuse me. So, regardless, of, I can understand where if I'm a casual fan, I'm watching, and, and these guys were so highly touted, I want to see them have success immediately. But especially given the fact of these most recent quarterbacks that have come out of the draft. However, it's the NFL; it's a tough job. Especially in, in specific to these situations, you you mentioned you alluded to a little bit. Jet situation is a little bit better than Travis, but even still, I'm not fully on board the Jet situation. They need weapons. Uh, they need wide receivers, at least ones that can stay healthy. Elijah Moore's in the right a, a step in the right direction. Corey Davis, I thought was a decent signing, but he's had some issues up. for sure. And you, you, J- Jameson Crowder is a reliable option, but you need you need more. And, yeah, and no, I think we should, absolutely we should right. use another wide receiver. And the, the game that everybody wants to knock Zach for versus the Saints, Elijah Moore didn't play, and he's probably going to be not going to play for the season. Corey Davis didn't play; he's out for the season. Elijah's supposed to come back. Elijah, okay, thank That's God. That's skyline against the Saints. Nineteen for forty-two. Yeah, nineteen for forty-two, but a lot of drops and a lot of true. That's very true, and a lot of throwaways too. I don't know why that's not accounted for, but a lot of throwaways too. I mean. Z- 
and sacked weapons, three times. And then we have no tight end. And, and you know, Tevin Coleman and Mike Carter are out. Yeah. So they're and, all so, supposed to come back, though. Both Michael Carter's supposed to come back. Tevin Coleman's good. supposed to come back. But Zach versus the Saints, it's not like he was working with house money. I think the Jets will be fine. I think Zach is going to be fine. I, I really do think these are things that they just have to work on. Zach with his, you know, feet. Trevor Lawrence is reading coverages and, and fields with his with his long windup because it is a really long windup. That's what I think they need to work at. You know, we'll see in, in due time what happens, but I don't think anybody should be taking these seasons and and stamping it and trying to act like this is what their career is going to be. I mean, we have a long time until then. All these players are going to have an off season to to work and develop. You know, if we're seeing what they struggle at, they are definitely seeing what they're struggling at. And they're going to try to improve in the offseason. And that's all that you can ask for. You know, I think all this discourse around them has kind of gotten a bit too out of pocket because I think right now when talking about young quarterbacks, I don't know when the energy shifted so much, but draft season became very toxic, especially surrounding the quarterbacks. And I'm not sure when that switch actually became something. I mean, I remember, you know, people like Chris Sims, he had Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, and Trevor Lawrence as his top three, and he was called racist for it. You know, Mac Jones having him at three was a very hot take. Like, you have him over Fields and Lance, how stupid can you be? And now he's been the best rookie quarterback out of all these guys, and he looks like he's probably going to have the best career because he's in the best situation. And that's what I want to mention. The Patriots are protecting Mac Jones. I'm not taking anything away from Mac, and I think blaming a quarterback for the situation they're in is ridiculous. Agreed. Mac Jones has been spectacular. In that game versus the Bills, with that weather, they protected him. You're only going to throw three passes today. They protected him. The Jets didn't protect Zach. His first three games of the season were against the Patriots, Broncos, and Panthers. All top five pass defenses in the NFL. The Jets didn't protect them in that aspect. The Jaguars, Urban Meyer isn't protecting Trevor Lawrence. He's taking away his best player in James Robinson off the field. And with the Bears, if it wasn't for Matt Nagy, this would be a talented group. But because Matt Nagy is there, he ruins a lot of what could be possible with that roster. But even with with Fields, Fields has been okay. But he would have benefited greatly from sitting the year. But the media pressure got to the Bears. They started him, and they didn't protect him in that way. They Matt Nagy protected his job because he knew Fields had to play in order for him to keep his job. He didn't protect Fields in that aspect. He protected his job. So I think all these quarterbacks are suffering from that, that they're in an organization where they're asking these young players to do more than what they're capable of doing right now. I think the only one, like if we go back to draft season, when these guys got drafted, we all said, okay, Mac Jones is in the best situation. And today, we still agree he's in the best situation. Trey Lance, okay, we don't know. Jimmy G's there. Is he going to get a lot of playing time? Same thing. He hasn't got play. He hasn't got a lot of playing time. Zach Wilson, same thing. We don't know. He's kind of a boomer bust prospect up until this point. He's been a boomer bust type of guy. The only one has really been Trevor Lawrence, who we expected to overcome all this adversity, which he can't, which is fine. I think we talked off the show. I think the only one who probably could have done anything with this team is Andrew Luck. And then Justin Fields, same thing. He's not exactly, you know, he had he had really good moments at Ohio State, put up great numbers. 
But I don't think anyone was sold on him coming in week one and being a, a really great quarterback. I think most people agreed that he needs some time and we're not sold on the Bears. So if we just take a step back, let's look at our valuation in April for these guys, or I guess, you know, beginning of May, once we knew what teams they were on, the landscape still looks the same. None of these guys have, buzz, have you know, have turned heads. Like we all knew Mac was the most pro ready. He's shown he's the most pro ready in the best system. Same thing with all of these guys. Like there's nothing new that's really happened between draft day and today that we didn't already know or didn't expect. Talking about Zach Wilson and the Jets, they have a tough task going to Miami and trying to end the Dolphins' win streak. Now, it's been an impressive win streak. Tua has been the RPO leader. Uh, He's been great. He's been very, very accurate. Drew, I said it earlier in the show, you have become the Statue of Liberty for Dolphins fans. If you're listening, Dolphins fans right now, and if you're watching, Drew is viral on TikTok right now because he put Tua in names. He put Tua in a group with names that a large majority of the population doesn't think he belongs in. But Drew believes it. I do. And right now he's getting a lot of hate for you guys, for Dolphins fans. Yeah, I'm getting some love too. Yeah, you know. You take the good with the bad. So, Drew, I'll, I'll let you start. All right. Do the Jets have any chance of ending the Dolphins' win streak? Let's be real. <laughs> no. Jets are giving up 30 points per game. They have the worst defense in the league. And the Dolphins have been rolling both sides. I won't talk about the offense yet. Let's talk about the defense over these last the, the last five games of this win streak. They've let up an average of 11 points per game. They have eight interceptions, 18 sacks. Defense has been spectacular. Now you go to Tua. My guy has been fantastic as well. Um, I want to say he's number two in completion percentage. Guys are going to give him all this slack for, for just giving throws underneath the zero to nine yards. But it takes a, a smart quarterback to not try and do too much. You understand that the game... Is complicated if you make it complicated. He's taking what he's been given, and he's having success. So why is he going to listen to the outside noise of, oh, this guy can't throw the, the ball deep, which is inaccurate, because when he has time in the pocket, actually he's the number one graded quarterback with a clean pocket. And two, when it comes to throwing the ball 20-plus yards or deep, uh, he has a 50, 58% completion percentage. Uh, I want, excuse me, 58 is false. He has 10 completions uh, on 19 attempts. And again, he's missed time early in this season. Uh, he's 0.1% lower than Justin Herbert, who is held to the highest regard, and rightfully so. He's amazing. I just want this energy to be carried over for Tua, for who is not a mobile quarterback, needs a clean pocket to make throws, but cl- apparently doesn't need the cleanest pocket to make throws because even still, he's among the, the most accurate and has the second highest completion percentage in the NFL. I think that the Jets don't really pose that much of a threat. I think their biggest chance to beat the Dolphins and end the streak was Week 11 when Joe Flacco came out hot. The, the Dolphins' defense was still trying to get their legs under them and playing in MetLife, a division game. It's it, it's a tough environment to, to play in regardless. And Joe Flacco had a really good game. Elijah, Elijah Moore, that was his breakout game. He had over 100 yards receiving. He was fantastic in that game. And I think that was their best chance to end the Dolphins' streak. I think right now, Dolphins understand that they have something special in their grasp that they could really obtain. One in seven to start the season, five in a row, could be six after this weekend. 
maybe we see injuries take a toll, COVID taking a toll on the, on these guys at the bottom of the AFC. The Browns have half their roster missing right now. You have the Ravens who are slowly but surely going to creep out given the fact that they have so many injuries to their squad and who knows if Lamar Jackson is going to be able to, to, to play this Sunday or however long he's going to be out for. I, I know he's day-to-day right now, but you never know. You, they they might think that they have a spot secured and they might think, you know, let's hold Lamar out and that could be the downfall of them. I don't see that happening, but it's a possibility. They have been playing very, very good ball and it's in unison with one another. The defense is playing off the offense. The offense is feeding off the defense. And I don't see the Jets being the ones to stop it right now. I get it's a division matchup, but they're going to be in the hard rock. It's going to be rocking in there. Dolphins are going to come out on fire. Two is going to continue to to be the the guy that he's been. I expect to see a few shots taken, especially with the fact that Jets defense has been giving up so many points. Not if Big Q's there. That, he's I mean, to, he's, he I saw he's questionable. Week. He should play though. Okay. That being said, I really have no doubts. Gasicki's going to have a big game. I didn't even have to say my boy Waddle because that's a given. Uh, I'll give credit to your boy Bryce Hall. Uh, he held him to under, what is it, under 35 yards. But last game he had 60, he, I think he had six receptions, 66, but he had a touchdown. Uh, I still expect him to have an impact. Uh, if Gaskin plays, I don't know if he's going to be able to play. I, I think he has COVID. I'm not sure if he's going to be able to to get cleared in time. But uh, I want to say their running back right now is Duke Johnson. Duke Johnson's going to yes. be going to be serviceable enough to Ahmed's that it's not. There. I don't think Ahmed's going to to be the guy. Last I saw Duke Johnson was there, but Ahmed might be. Who knows? Either way, I don't expect the run to be the reason why they don't win this game if they happen to lose. That's not going to be an issue. Two is going to play great. The defense is going to continue to play great, especially with the way the Jets offense have been playing recently. No disrespect to y'all. Much love. They've just been so up and down and mostly down. I just expect the Dolphins to keep rolling. I think a lot of what you said is, is right. You spoke a lot of truth. You spoke a lot of facts. And... The Dolphins beating the Jets is right on cue because they've only beaten bad teams all season. So this this is a game that, that they typically win. They don't beat good teams, but they beat the bad ones outside of the Jaguars. You know, the and, 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 what, and what about what about the Ravens? They're not a, a good team. It's nice to right. Oh, it's that's an not, injury nice riddled team. Yeah, they're okay, it's I okay. guess. Yeah, you know, minimize, I'm, minimize, they're they're minimize, yeah. minimize a good I team. That's all right. I guess that's, that's I'll, I'll put be the narrative. There. That's a good one. I'm cool with it. That's a good one. The Dolphins are favored by minus eight and a half. Listen, they should win this game. This should be a cakewalk for them. The Jets. Corey Davis is out. Elijah Moore. Maybe we get back Tyler Croft. Who knows? Does he even impact the game? I don't know. Makai Becton. But then on the Dolphins side, Javon Holland might be out. Gaskin and Philip Lindsay, you know, the running backs. The Dolphins should win this game. I don't think the Jets are going to stop the RPO heavy attack that the Dolphins possess. And the Tua, Tua is the best RPO quarterback in the NFL. Like he is the best quarterback at making those reads, at at reading one guy and throwing it here. Even if it is four they're yards, no, they're he, like very light see, jabs. He gives. Even it's, it's very light jabs. because he understands the O line sucks. He knows this. He's just trying to be a clown, which I, I can I'm understand. Just, I'm just saying, Tua, he is the best RPO quarterback in the league. And, and despite despite the Dolphins' big time win streak, five games, that's awesome. But we know <laughs> nah, he kills me. He kills we me. know it's misleading because they haven't beaten good teams outside of the Ravens. Their entire win streak has been made up of <laughs> lollipops and cupcakes. That's what it's been. And Tua, he is Man, the most lollipop. Tua is the most accurate quarterback. Yes, he he's second or first in completion percentage. He's second. He's Tua is second 
and completion percentage. And I'm seeing his name brought up with all-time greats that have had the same feat over the course of a couple games. But I don't know if those all-time greats over the course of four games only threw two passes over 20 yards. That's what Tua's doing. 43% of Tua's completions are on throws five yards or less. And he has the most passing yards on RPOs in the NFL at 447. His completion percentage is, is misleading. There's no doubt about that. You said the same thing about Kyler. And Kyler Murray has continued to sh- take shots over the top and be successful whichever way he wants. He takes more shots than Tua. Because and I- he can. Tua has been good. And I say this every single show, and Dolphins fans, they love to think I'm just hating because I'm a Jets fan. You are. One thing's for sure. A Jets fan. One thing's for sure. sure. They are lucky that Zach's weapons are out. Because if Zach's weapons were in, oh, you'll see who's the real highly tied prospect between the two, between Zach and between Tua. That's for sure. Tua has been very accurate, but I have my doubts on Tua because not I don't have my doubts about Tua that he's going to be a good quarterback. He's going to be a good quarterback. But I think he's getting slightly overrated right now because of his stats. I think they're a bit misleading. Context matters. And in this case... On RPOs and short passes, he's amazing. But when he's asked to drop back and pass, I kind of see him struggle a bit. So we'll see what happens. I, you know, I think the Dolphins are going to beat the Jets. But next year, once we get Michael Gallup with Derek Stingley and Kyle Ham- Hamilton, maybe <coughs> Garrett Wilson, maybe oh Garrett Wilson would be or would Chris love, Olave. I want Traylon Tra- Burks, bro. Or, That's my let, let's Super get Warrior. Alabama's receiver. Let's get let's get a uh, Jameson Williams. Williams. Oh yeah. Once we get those boys that, in the building, nice. Once we get those boys in the building. You better pray. I'm going to wave to the 305. <laughs> you better, That's what I'm going to do. You better pray that the Dolphins don't get an O-line. Because Dolphins get an O-line. You guys don't have a pick. You guys, but the Dolphins don't have a pick. I know. That's how it's coming. Well, right? I yeah. do hope that if the Dolphins get an offensive line, they're not just passing four yards down the field. Anymore. If they get an O-line, I promise you he'll take more shots. I hope so. he has that ability. I hope so. Again, when he has I a clean so. pocket, he's the number one graded quarterback in the NFL. Well, a clean pocket could be on RPOs. You know, you have sometimes in the RPO you have a clean pocket. It could be because of that. I don't know. I don't know how they grade this stuff. Again, he's behind the worst offensive line in the no, league. No, I'm giving. Look, I'll His give him all the credit. Average in the pocket is two point two seconds. Look, I, look, I'm a fan. They have no. You're not. You're not a fan. I'm a fan. I'm telling you right now, Finn Nation and I do not welcome you into this fanhood. You're not allowed. I'm a fan. I think what Tua's doing has you're, been you're amazing. Condescendingly. On Tua Tungavailoa and what he's done this season. I think season. what Tua's been doing is amazing. How can you be this efficient with no offensive line throwing three-yard passes? I don't think it, another quarterback couldn't do that. Not at all. He couldn't do that. I don't think so. Joel, do, yeah. the, do, do the Jets stand any chance? I'm, to I'm be just the enjoying this between you, you two, man. That's all right. We, we do have the face of Finn Nation versus someone who you, you do kill Finn me with because they are. Oh, sorry, Finn family with these little jabs because like you do like little. He's the best at RPOs. Just so like, no, he is. He is I, he I is. know he is, but just, you can agree those are just like little soft jabs. They're not like you're not you know overhand punching it, but they're little soft jabs just to be like you know he's accurate. Sorry, right, because when the Dolphins make the playoffs and I hit my boy with the KO of all KOs. The Dolphins are what, not what, making the playoffs. I was going to say, let's, let's real quick look at the Dolphins' schedule versus the season. They're gonna, I, they're gonna, I told you, listen, I told you, they could win out. Their Jets, hardest Saints, matchup. Titans, Patriots. The hardest Even matchup is the Patriots. Even if they win the out, Patriots. they probably don't make the playoffs. You have six wins. Ten and seven. Six wins. I, you're being the Jets. You're That's the, okay. Yes. Saints on the road. 
They could they on the road's going to be tough, but the way that the Saints have been playing, I I don't uh, this know. Is, this is looking like an eight one team because between the the Saints, Titans, and Patriots, you went you take two or three from there. It depends on if the Titans are going to come back healthy. I do think they could be. AJ the should be back by then. That's I week do 17. think could, the way the Dolphins defense has been playing, no Derrick Henry, I'm feeling good. Yeah, so you're looking at like nine and nine and eight as probably the the highest you're going to be. I'm telling you, ten and seven. Okay, so you're beating. You're being the Patriots or the Saints, I guess. Or the, the t- toughest, you're being, you're the toughest matchup is going to be the Patriots. That being said, they're going to be in the Hard Rock. Oh, I'm sorry. You guys have Dolphins have six wins. Correct. Oh, you need to win out. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh, you need to be the Patriots. Correct. Week yes. A little uh, uh, what's it called? Revenge from last season, or I guess that's two years ago mm-hmm. now. That was mm-hmm. Brady. Um, to answer the question, you guys hit on a lot of points, but you know, a blind squirrel finds an acorn every once in a while, right? You're taking the Jets? Oh hell no, I'm not taking the Jets. <laughs> I learned my lesson. I took them last week. I took them the week before. You had now, to now they'll win because I'm going against them. I know no, they're going to win. Stop it. Don't um, manifest that. Zach Wilson, 200 yard, two touchdown day. I don't know what could yeah, happen. Like, I want to see Zach Ball. I will confirm that's not happening. I want to see Zach Ball, but the way this Dolphins defense has been playing, they're just they're getting turnovers galore, sacks galore. They're forcing fumbles, interceptions. Like This defense has just been so good over the last month or so. And the way Zach Wilson, this offense, has been playing, I, I can't imagine they go into on the road in Miami, and they're going to be able to put up, you know, a real competitive game. You mentioned eight and a half, so Vegas is telling you, like, we don't expect this game to be relatively close. On the bright side, um, the Jets are getting back. Both Michael Carters are expected to get back. Both Michael Carters are running back and the defensive back. Tevin Coleman and Bryce Huff, who's been a really good pass rusher for us. So they're getting a little bit healthier. Um, You know, I hope later in the year, I'm really um, looking forward to Elijah Moore coming back, and hopefully he could build some, uh, you know, some chemistry with Zach later on in the season. But for this game... This is just one of those Jets games that has like thirty to fourteen written all over it. I don't, I don't really see them be competitive. Um, the Jets are a year away from being a year away, so let's give them a couple years. Hopefully, Salah can figure out this defense. I have all the faith in the world in Lafleur, and it's from now. It's the defense, and can Zach really turn into this highly leveled, um, you know, this highly level QB that we expect him to be? I just want to see Zach have a clean game. I'm not, I don't have high expectations for him. He has a clean game. What's a clean I'm game? Happy. One interception? No, a clean game is zero interception. Okay. Oh, I don't. I want him to have a clean game. The way the Dolphins have been turning the ball it's over, it'd be a lot be to shocked. ask of him. And the way Zach has not been turning the ball over, he could do it. I mean, through an interception. The Saints are a better now. team. The Saints are a better defense than the Dolphins. As of recently, bro, the Dolphins have been one of the best in the league. And their secondary is spotty. The Saints. Ooh. Saints? Yeah. Marcus Lattimore? Marshawn Lattimore? Yeah, I understand Marcus what you're saying. They really Future haven't Jack. been playing great. Against the quarterback, they're 30th right now. We'll see. You know, I think, well, we'll see. We know the Dolphins probably beat the Jets, but if they don't beat them, oh, yeah, I'm going to be coming here. Oh, if the Jets win, yeah, next Wednesday is going to be Jesus. I can guarantee they're not losing. All right, put your sign on it. Drew's Drew's guarantee. Not too many episodes ago, we talked about Cooper Cup and whether he was a top 10 receiver in the NFL. And whether or not we were harsh on him, you know, say that for another day. But right now, we are going to give our top five wide receivers in the NFL currently. So based on this season, we're going to give our list, not who we take to start a team with, just who are our top five wide receivers. I'll start with you, Drew. Who are yours? I'm not sorry, you, Joe. Who are yours? at me. <laughs> I uh, right at him. Number one, you talked about him, Cooper Cup. I mean, most yards, most receptions, most touchdowns. He's You're one. not going to go five to one? Oh, that's so out of touch. Damn. It's all I right. I already went one. I, I know. Five. You so, come on, man. Just go five. Rookie bro. move. I, we're, we're starting at five now. Yeah, I've already, I already, I already bought sorry, in. Sorry, man. 
No, you want, you want to restart the the three hour podcast real quick? <laughs> let Drew let Drew go first, right, and then right, you I'll go. go you, right, to, you have to be on time. Out <laughs> all right, here we go. So my number five is going to be Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel has been spectacular up until this point. He has over a thousand yards receiving, and you think that that's not good enough. He's a running back on top of it. He's just that elusive. He can do so many things with the football. This has been his first season where he has put himself in elite class. This was Joel's best call, in my opinion. He said that Debo Samuel is better than DK. He got a lot of hate for it. We gave him a lot of shit for it. This was his best call in the season for me personally. That was a really great call by you, bro. Number four, for me, this is going to be spicy. I have Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin, over 1,000 yards, 1,054, has five touchdowns this season, only has five drops this year, but he can do anything he wants. I understand that slot receivers kind of get a little bit of pushback in terms of they can't be a top five receiver in the league if they're a slot receiver. But we're looking at two of the top five, three of the top six, if we want to count Tyreek Hill, who's honorable mention, Tyreek Hill is six. I spoke with Joel before the podcast. He convinced me. I could not leave Chris Godwin out of my top five. He has been, he could do whatever he wants. In terms of a route tree, there are very few guys that I put on his level. You have Tay, obviously. Stefan Diggs is an amazing route runner. Justin Jefferson is a great route runner. Chris Godwin is in that class with those guys. His route tree is amazing. His hands are as almost as for sure as any wide receiver in this league. Godwin has been great. Number three. Now I know I tweeted something earlier this week. <laughs> And I said that this guy was the best receiver in the NFL. I do believe this guy will be the best receiver in the NFL at the end of next season. But right now, I will say that Justin Jefferson is the third best receiver in the NFL. Jettis has been fantastic. Almost 1,300 yards, eight touchdowns. Only reason why I don't have him higher on my list is seven drops. I understand seven's not, in the grand scheme of things, that's not a terrible amount of drops given the fact that Debo has nine. Tyreek has nine. So I'm not taking it into too much account, but in terms of ranking him in, in the top three, top two, t- number one, I can't I can't put him higher than three right now. And that's not anything against him. He's been fantastic. Again, in terms of physicality, a route tree, going up to get the ball, speed, he has everything I want, which is why I'm so high on Justin Jefferson. I do believe at the end of the next season, he will be number one, best in the league. Number two for me is going to be Cooper Cup. Now, Cooper Cup has been fantastic. You look at the stats. He leads the league in everything. Touchdowns, receptions, yards. He, he has done everything you could possibly imagine and exceeded any expectation of his that you would have of him. Excuse me. Going to the season, I thought that Robert Woods was going to be the number one. And and I can understand where I was wrong there. Cooper Cup you know, has had these seasons where he has been spectacular. But I thought Robert Woods, after last season... He just is faster. I thought that he could do a little bit more with the football in his hands. I was wrong. Cooper Cup has come in, has been at the minimum a top three receiver this season, and is putting up the numbers to put him up against any receiver in the history of NFL. If he breaks the 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 excuse me, if he breaks the record for most yards in a season, there's no one that can say anything negative on his name. He has been fantastic, and I do expect him to continue to be a beast. Now, number one, Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams has missed a game, has 90 receptions, which is five more than Justin Jefferson, has played all of them, has 1,200 yards, has seven touchdowns, has two drops this year. Now, this is him being solely by himself on this Packers offense. And this is what the Packers offense, whose O-line does not even have its main guy in David Bakhtiari, lost Corey Lindsley. They are a shell of what they have been these last couple of years. 
and they're still having success. It does not matter who you put in DeAndre's in Deont, uh, excuse me in Devontae's way. He is going to be himself. Two drops on the year is nuts. Like that boggles my mind how great you can be in terms of your route tree being the best in the league. He is the best route runner in the league. In terms of physicality, he is one of the more physical receivers in the league. You want to talk about reliability. 90 receptions and only two drops is borderline unheard of. The only one that comes close to that is DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins went a whole season, I think, with zero yeah. drops. So I want to give I want to give Devontae his credit because I spoke ill of him earlier this week. I was getting excited. I was on Instagram. I was watching Jetta's highlights. He looked unbelievable. Just anything he wanted to do, he could do. That's how that's how effortless he looks on the field when he moves. But there's nothing wrong with being three. And I do firmly believe that at the end of the next season, given the way that he's progressed, given the fact that over the first two seasons of his career, he is the league leader in receiving yards. That only allows me to think that he's going to continue to grow upon the success he's already had early in his career. So just to reiterate, my number five, Debo Samuel. Number four, Chris Godwin. Number three, Jettas. Number two, Cooper Cup. And number one, Devontae Adams. I'll start with five, unlike some other people. (laughs) Yo, that is the fold of all folds. Yeah, you're still on timeout. (laughs) My fifth guy is Jamar Chase. I think Jamar Chase has been the fifth best receiver this season. He has 1,035 yards, 10 touchdowns. He's averaging 79.6 yards per game. That's eighth in the NFL. And he has 392 yards after the catch. That's 14th. I have him at five because I have him over Tyree Kill, Chris Godwin, Deontay Johnson, and Stephon Diggs. DJ Moore, too. Yeah, him, too. Yeah, you're right. Thanks for that. (laughs) Got him! I have him over those other guys because... He lead, Jamar Chase leads the NFL in drops, but he's still second in touchdowns yep. and only has less and ha, he has let he has 30 less receptions than Tyreek Hill and Godwin, but has more receiving yards than Tyreek Hill and only 20 less than Godwin. I can just imagine if he didn't drop if he didn't drop that one against the Chargers. Yeah. I mean, this guy is blowing dudes be, out the yeah. water. So Jamar Chase for me is the fifth best receiver in the league right now. Number four is Debo Samuel. Just the ability to do everything. I, I was before the season. I fell in love with his game, and I, I've been a big avid Debo believer. I was in love with his game, and I thought he was going to take a big jump this season. He's top ten. He's the seventh in yards. He's seventh in yards. He has five touchdowns. He's fourth in yards per game, and he has five hundred thirty-four yards after the catch, which is third. And he has three rushing touchdowns on top of that. 159 yards rushing. He can do it all in only 14 attempts. Number three is the Triple Crown, Cooper Cup. Ooh, okay. Cooper Cup is leading the NFL in receiving yards, touchdowns, and and yards per game. I understand he's statistically been the best receiver. He's also leading the NFL in yards after the catch at 647. Cooper Cup has been flat out amazing but he has 300 plus snaps in the slot and all these guys have less than 150 he has 100 snaps on the outside all these other guys have 300 plus so cooper cup a lot of his damage has been in the slot that that to me i knock that a lot because i think you're not the primary x guy 
That's why I have him at three, but he's been phenomenal. Number two is Justin Jefferson. Second in receiving yards, 1,288, eight touchdowns, third in yards per game, 400 yards after the catch. That ranks 13th. He's number two. And number one for me, easy, Devontae Adams. 1,204 yards, seven touchdowns, second in yards per game. I mean, he's been the best receiver in the league for the past two seasons, two, three seasons Two now. for sure. Yeah, because Michael Thomas, you know. I know what you mean. He, he was DeAndre, amazing. DeAndre, no doubt you have to look at him every single year. So going from five to one, my top five receivers this year in the NFL have been Jamar Chase at five, Debo Samuel at four, Cooper Cup at three, Justin Jefferson at two, and Devontae Adams at one. I have Chase over Tyreek Hill and Godwin because despite all of his drops, he has more receiving yards than Tyreek Hill in 30 less receptions than Tyreek Hill. And he only has 20 less receiving yards than Godwin in 30 less receptions. Mm. And he, you know, he has 10 touchdowns on a year. Can I just ask who you have six and seven? Do you have Tyreek at six? Do you have Godwin at six? I really didn't make that list. Okay, off the top of your head. I would say Godwin. I respect Godwin that. was the one I had to take out I for Jamar Chase. Okay. I'm cool with that. It was weird because Jamar Chase, like the first seven, eight weeks of the season, he wasn't dropping anything. Like he was borderline flawless. And then these last month, you know, six weeks or so, he's really just. You, you, you know what I heard? I heard that Auden Tate came back to practice. You Yeah, definitely. He came back to practice yeah. and Jamar Chase looked and said. <laughs> he's looking over his shoulder. It's my replacement. He said, this guy's looking good. I'm surprised you had, honestly, bro, it took me like 30 seconds until I, I was actually convinced you were dead ass about having Chase at five. I do thought you, you were fucking with Do you us. know what's crazy? What? Auden Tate has a whopping three receptions this season. Ooh. Breakout player. Bro has come out on fire this year. They have, I think those receptions have been in crucial moments and he's done what he had to do. <laughs> you know what, man? I gave him his credit for his best take. I'm going to give him his credit for his worst take. No, was, Here it is. Yeah, Auden Tate. That was bad. Jamar Chase. Auden Tate's a good receiver, bro. <laughs> bro, he has three catches. I don't care what three he has. Catches. I think he's a good receiver. See, like, Braxton Berrios has like 20, like 10 times as many catches as him. Put Braxton Berrios on the Bengals. He's not doing anything. I'm just saying, bro. Like, come on. I do agree. You got you got three solid guys at the minimum ahead of him. You he was on Tyler, the team last year. Ty- they had two. And Higgins was a rookie. And he had... Let's see, how many receptions do you have last year? 14. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Watch out for next year, bro. Can I, can I get I'm my saying. top five valid? Yeah. I'm going yeah, to start at five. Y'all fuck. You're good with that? Timeout is over. I'm going to start at five. Okay. You're supposed to start at five. Okay. I'm just Especially making sure, I'm just making from sure one it's good to with five. y'all. Making sure it's good with y'all because sometimes you'll be on some weird shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> number five, me and Drew actually have pretty similar lists, just a little bit different. Number five, I have Chris Godwin as well. Second in receptions, fourth in receiving yards with over a thousand. He also has the highest catch percentage out of basically all the top wide receivers at seventy-seven percent. He does have a lot of time in the slot, but he's really turned into Brady's number one option. I think it's clear he's the number one with Evans being the number two, especially with Antonio Brown out of the lineup. Even with Gronk in or out of the lineup, Chris Godwin's really been able to do his thing. Number four, Debo Samuel. Got to give you credit again. I was big on DK Metcalf being bigger than him. Um, sorry, not bigger, better than him, but even bigger. It seems like this year. He's, he's Mr. Do-It-All. Like, I don't know if I should call him a running back or receiver because the first nine weeks of the season, he was just primarily he's as a wide him, receiver. He, he is him, and he was dominating. In six of nine weeks, he had 90 or more yards and five touchdowns. But then over the past month, Shanahan has really turned him into a running back. He's only seen seven targets over the past three weeks. Just to put that in context, he saw seven or more targets in eight straight games to start the season. So he's been used like literally as a running back these last three weeks, and he's almost never even being targeted. Um, he's one of the most dangerous players in the league. I think right now he's probably the most dangerous player after the catch. 
when AJ's healthy, I have him up there too. Uh, number three, I have Justin Jefferson. I mean, he's probably one of my favorite players to watch, probably my favorite wide receiver to watch right now. Like you said, he could do it all on the field. His route trees, you know, up there with, he can run any route. He can make any guy miss. He could go up and high point the ball. I just don't think there's anything he can't do. You guys talked about the stats already. He also has five games over 100 yards. And he only has two games under 70 yards this season. So every Jesus. every game he's going out there and he's dominating. <clears throat> My number two is Devontae Adams. While missing one game, he's still 13 yards, 13 receptions, six games over 100 yards, which is nuts. Um, and he's only one of two wide receivers to average 100 or more yards per game. Um, his TDs aren't there like they were last year. Last year had a ridiculous amount. Um, but he's still a seven, which is top ten in the NFL. And number one, I can't believe I'm the only one who has Cooper Cup number one. I got him too. I understand, but off. still, like he's having historic season, most yards, receptions, touchdowns. One of two wide receivers have twenty or more catch, twenty plus yard catches, um, of twenty or more yards. So one of two receivers who have twenty plus catches of twenty or more yards. He's making big plays down the field. He's been the most impressive receiver. I mean, he's been this basically this whole offense this year. The way I know we're talking about the Rams, they're making a playoff push. They're making a push for the number one seed. If it wasn't for Cooper Cup, they would not be doing this. He's having going to be breaking records this year. So he's number one for me. Can if they you, had Devontae Adams, would they be doing this? Yes. Sure. What about ask, Justin Jefferson? Yes, probably. Can I ask you a question? Was there ever a period in Gronk's career where you could say he was the best tight end and receiver in his in that year specifically? Probably. probably. Yeah, you'd say that there was a year you're taking him over all the receivers. I'd, I'd have to look, but he had years where he I know, was I'm asking dominant. Off the, I know, it's tough to ask off the top uh, of your head. I mean, I'm thinking like off the top, like I'll AB, you too. AB no. had some ridiculous years. You'll never, you'll never, you'd say no. No, not over. Which is why I, which is why I can't put him over Tay. You know what I'm saying? Wait, what does Gronk do with Cooper Cup? In the sense of how he's being utilized, Cooper Cup is playing in the slot, kind of where he needs to block a lot. He needs to throw his body on the he's line. He's a great blocker. No doubt about it, and I give him his respect, And as is Gronk. Gronk's one of the best yeah. blocking tight ends. Gronk's also the 270, best. and Cup's 220. 100%. And that's where I will give a lot of credit to Cooper Cup in that sense, where he is putting himself in versatile situations that other receivers not necessarily can do. However... The fact that he's lining up on the inside as much as he is, where you're not sure is he going to be, is he on the line to block or is he on the line to get open in space? Nine times out of ten, you should be aware that all right, it's Cooper Cup. Obviously, he's going to, he's in this position to catch a football, but that versatility allows the playbook to be opened up to whatever Cooper Cup wants to do. You understand what I'm saying? Yes, so I know. that's why I feel like Tay being one on one on one on the outside, not one on one, but you know what I yeah. mean, lining up on the outside. He wishes it. he had one on one. Oh my god! I mean. I think he has the highest percentage of being doubled every single game. That being said, you put him on the outside, one-on-one. Justin Jefferson, same thing. These guys are playing one-on-one on the outside, and it's not to take anything away from Cup. What he's doing is spectacular, which is why I have him number two. So do you think looking back, right, three years from now, four years, five from now, do you think people are going to care about this? Or do you think we're going to look at this historic season and be like, this is one of the best receiving seasons of all time? It deserves to be respected for what it is. If he breaks all the records, if he has the most receptions this season, if he leads the league in touchdowns, you need to do nothing except respect what he did. That's great. So I feel like this conversation is mute. So is Cooper Cup the best receiver in football? That's what I'm saying. We're talking this season. But do you think he's the best receiver this season? Over Tay? This is we're getting very wordy here. I understand. Now. No, 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 no. <laughs> okay, we're getting very wordy. Question. I know. Do you think Cooper Cup has been the best receiver in football this season, or is he statistically having the yes, best? Statistically, season? he's having one of the best. See, my ever. list, my list is about who I think have, who have been the best receivers in football. I think Jefferson and Devontae Adams are better receivers this season than Cooper Cup. 
And I, I'm not going to push back. I'm at two and three. To, for him, he's you're right. As low as three. That's as far as I'm going to put him. Yeah. But he you has had like eight guys over him. Like he last has. Week. You yeah, because you had him outside your top ten. Because that was a different question. That question. I, I didn't. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah. That question was: If I'm starting a team, who am I taking? To be my receiver, but the fact that I don't he can think block allows Cup. me to see him in a different light. I don't know if it was taking a team over. I don't think that was the question. It, it was, I think we were talking straight talent, talent. talent. Yeah, we were talking that was the talent. question. Because yeah, if we were talking was, that, we would have like had Jamar Chase in there, and you know, which we did. I did have Jamar Chase in there. I don't, take, I don't remember. I Jamar threw Chase. him in. I know, and I couldn't take him. He no. did. He did say Jamar. It wasn't Chase. in the TikTok clip at least. No, he wasn't. <laughs> no, yeah, I had a clip it for a certain amount, but yeah, like that. That was more about okay, who am I taking over him? Because DeAndre Hopkins this season has not been better than Cooper Cup. Yeah. But I would probably take Hopkins next year over Cooper yeah, Cup. Yeah, if you're telling me Hop's fully healthy. But that was this question is just yeah. who do you think have been the yeah. best Yo, receivers this year? Because that's scary. that's very like scheme specific. Yeah. Like if we're just if this is Sean McVay's scheme, okay, Cup. But if we're just saying like a, the average team with the average coach, yes, Hopkins. No doubt. So in Sean McVay's scheme you wouldn't take Hopkins over Cup? I mean yeah yeah Hopkins is more talented. And we're seeing Odell come in and immediately have success. Yeah, I mean, McVay's a phenomenal coach. Yeah, we didn't speak about Odell at all and him having a great game in terms of like... I give him a little shout out. I'm just saying people love to disrespect him when he was in Cleveland and now he's coming to the Rams three straight games with Man, a touchdown. Bro, Baker's are, like, I've been saying this for multiple years, like Baker's just not him. You know, let me, not, not, let me not disrespect. Guy, I know Muffins is probably listening, probably punching air. Probably he's, not. He, he told me he doesn't. Really? Yeah, he told me he doesn't. Only when he commutes. This guy Muffins, man, I give him all this respect, all Listen, this love. Commuting's a big part of the pot. Like that's true. I used to have to commute like hours from Our school voice to says work. The exact same thing. And you yeah. listen to podcasts instead of music. When I was driving, yes, but now that like I work from home and my commute's like a ten minute ride to the and gym, now you're on it's, side. it's music. Oh, 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 yeah. I mean, yeah. What do you listen to? Like music wise, hey, Boogie, Her, Dirk, Leroy, Baby Goat. Um, yeah, it's a Baby Goat, man. What else have I been listening to? Oh no, that new Boogie project's crazy though. Young M.A.? Nah, got him. I've been liking Tusi a lot lately. Tusi's tough. Yeah, Tusi's tough, bro. Yeah, if you want to get in your feelings, man, get in your bag real quick. Put on some Tusi. <laughs> his new. Did you listen to his new little EP? Nah, you dropped. You drop Pretty girls love Tusi. Little three song track. I got into I like him. When, album, I got into him when he made that song. Poetic pen I trust you love letter. Yeah, that shit's hard. That shit's <laughs> yeah. hard. That dropped a minute ago. But yeah, not Tusi's vibe. Crazy. Yeah. That should go crazy. Tusi. NFL Pick'em Week 15. This is how we're ending off the show. This is how we end off every single football show. Going undefeated this week, week boys. Week 15 Pick'em. Chiefs versus Chargers. Thursday night football. Who wins? Run it, Chiefs. Yeah, I took the Chiefs already. I'm taking the Chargers in this one. Right. I think Jay Herbo. He's already off to own Jay one. Herbo. He's going to go crazy. Here we go. Raiders versus Browns. COVID killed the this Browns. This is so tough. Are they all out, like, guaranteed? I, I'm pretty sure, right? They probably are, yeah. Uh, I'm taking the Raiders. If no, Baker, I mean Baker to Keenum is not a big drop off to me, but um, I still take the Raiders. Just more healthy. I'm gonna fade the Raiders rest of the season. All right, go for it. I'm bro. going Browns. I'm going with the Raiders because I think their pass rush is gonna get to Case Keenum because there are more than just Baker and Landry on the on the COVID list. It's Jedrick Wills. It's Wyatt Teller. So there are some guys that they're, they're gonna miss. And Kevin's fancy not coaching. I'll tell you what's pretty huge. cool. Two games being the day of my birthday. Very that tough. is so. These are on Saturday, huh? Yeah, Saturday. Saturday. Wow. Yeah, these first two, or not the obviously not the Chiefs, but the Raiders, Browns, in the next game. Patriots and Colts. Yeah, we're yes. spoiled here. Wow. We're spoiled yes. here. Okay, we're spoiled. Yeah. Patriots versus Colts. This is the upset of the week, so I got to stick with it. The Pats. I'm shocked that the the Colts are favorites. Yeah, I mean that that tells me a lot. Like that, I'm, I'm telling you, Colts 
have been like that I know. for weeks. Yeah, it's just going to be hard because they're not going to have home field advantage in the playoffs. They're not, and I don't think that Bucks that's didn't a problem. Have it last year. Huh? Bucks didn't have it last year. Colts don't have Brady. You're right. They have Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> Colts don't have Brady. What about the Jets? Wentz has been solid, though. I know, but the Titans had Derrick Henry last year. The Jets in 2009. First round. See ya. But what happened two years ago? Derrick Henry took him to the AFC Championship. Man, they lost. I'm just saying. Listen, I'm going to be rooting for the Colts as hell. I don't want to see the Patriots win. The Jets in 2009-2010 didn't have a home field advantage. Yeah, but we had the best defense ever. We had Mark Sanchez, though. We had the Sanchez. Colts have, Colts have a really good defense, too. So you're picking yeah. the Colts. Oh, come I know, on. but I, I don't mean, think their defense that was an obvious. Like I'm picking the Patriots. I'm going with the upset pick. Titans versus Steelers. Oh. I'm going Steelers. Yeah? They've been playing good football lately. Yeah. I don't know which way to go here. I don't really like either of these teams. <laughs> I'm going with the Steelers. I think Big Ben was phenomenal versus the Vikings. Yo, he was amazing in that he second was. half. Okay, you convinced me. We're, right. on the, we're all on the Steelers. Come so on, bro. I'm, I'm, I'm already undefeated. Panthers versus Bills. 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 I'm going with the Bills, too. Washington versus the Eagles. This was my upset of the yeah, week. Plus I like, seven. I like that, too. I might ride Washington. I'll take Washington. I think... Philly gets this win. Really? Taylor Haneke, I think, is injured. So Kyle Allen's going to play. True. Oh, yeah. So I got Philly in is this Is Kyle one. Allen playing? If Kyle Allen plays, yeah, I'll take Philly. Maybe <sighs> that's why the line's seven. All right, I'll take that stipulation. I'm taking Washington if Heineke, Heineke plays. If he doesn't, I'm going Eagles. Texans versus Jaguars. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, my God. Uh, I'll just... Davis Mills is going to have a great game. Yeah. I do think he'll have a really yeah, good game. Yeah, Jaguars got a lot of nonsense going on. Yuck. Texans. I don't want to pick anyone. I'm taking Texans, though. This I'm might be my the, first time taking the Texans all year. I'm going to take the Jaguars. I'm fine with that. Who are you going with? I said Texans. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I said Texans. Cowboys versus Giants. I'm actually going to be at this game on Sunday. Nice. I will be sporting my Ezekiel Elliott jersey. Uh, are you, the color are you going rush. With Max? Me and my uncle. Oh, okay. Yes, Maxwell will be in attendance as well. I was well. going to say, that would be foul. That being said, I am nervous. I am a little bit scared. I am wearing the color rush. If someone pours a beer on me, I'm going to be very, very sad. That being said... We them boys, we're taking this dub. I'll take the Cowboys too. I'm taking the Cowboys in this game, and I'll be sure to get you a Tony Pollard jersey to wear to wear at that game. Put it if on the company plays. card. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Arizona versus the Lions. Cardinals. Um, the Cardinals. I got the Cardinals too. Jets versus Dolphins. Dolphins. We already went over this, baby. Finn family. We're swimming. The, we're swimming through this one easy. I got the Dolphins in this one. Bengals versus Broncos. A good game, good ass game. The way that we've been running the football, I absolutely love it. The way that the Bengals can't stop the run to a degree, they rank 19th against running backs. I think the Broncos need to continue this trend. I think we will continue this trend, too. especially us being in Denver. We play different when we're in you Mile guys, High. You guys are probably are you guys favorites? We're, we're favorites right now by a point and a half, two points. That's fair. I'll take the Broncos. I'm going Broncos. I'm going with the Bengals in this one. Falcons versus 49ers. Uh, 49ers. Yeah. Niners, but I do think surprisingly, weirdly, this will be a good competitive game. But the Niners should win. I'm going with the Niners. Seahawks versus Rams. Lock of the week. Rams. Another one that I think will be weirdly competitive. Seahawks have played back-to-back weeks of good football. Winning football. I've, I've but I do the Texans think and it's Niners. Facts. So I do think that the, the, the Rams do need to continue their hot streak. I do think that that they will continue the hot streak, so I'm going Rams. I'm going with Seattle on this I one. I set that up for you so easy. Packers versus Rams. I mean, Ravens. Yeah. Lamar might not play. 
I mean, that's even if Lamar plays, Come I on, still dude. take the Packers. Yeah, exactly. This is a no-brainer for me. I'm going Pack. I'm going with the Packers this now. Saints sucks. versus Buccaneers. This game sucks. I don't really you know, want to watch Taysom Hill that much. But Alvin Kamara. Yeah, I'm. T- I mean, the Bucks by thirty, but <laughs> I'm, I mean Brady struggles against the Saints, so who knows? I mean, he had a really good statistical game against them, but he did throw the interception. Yeah. That being said, Bucks are winning this game. Yeah. I'm taking a Bucks too now. Monday Night Football: Vikings versus Bears. Vikings. Give me Kirk. Primetime Kirk, baby. I'm going with the Vikings. I really have to think on this one. Eh. I'm going with Captain Kirk. Captain I should Kirk. probably Jettis. go Vikings. And because I don't want Dalvin Cook on my bad side, I'm going with the Vikings. Nice. <laughs> so that's going to do it for Week 15 NFL Pick'em. And that's going to do it for episode 137 of the Pick Aside Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Pick Aside Podcast, on Twitter at Pick Aside Pod. Thank you guys so much for listening and or watching, and we'll see you next time.